Wham Jam number 31. We're getting back into Andor. We did the first half of Andor for episode 29. Now for 31, we're getting back into it. Because there was a whole second half with six episodes that we got to talk about. Um, put out a little tweet before we got started. And the question I posed in it uh, was the second half. Uh, sorry, first half was good. Second half, a triumph or a disappointment? And I will pose that to the other Rammers to get us started. How do you guys feel the second half went? Hmm. I may have liked it more than the first half. Like the first half, as we already talked about, was quite entertaining. Um, but the second half definitely a lot of uh, things that I want to talk about. I find some parts very interesting. Roz? I like the second half better than the first half. The first half didn't really catch me, but the second half I was pretty much on board. I mean, it still didn't get me into Star Wars, but it was, it was a good time. No oh no, no lightsabers. Whatever shall we do? No switch I'm more of a saber type. Uh, oh, look, a bot. For me, I'm gonna be. Oh my, it is a bot. Well, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Don't worry, I got it. Kalima. <laughs> but, um. Bum, bum, bum. For me, I can't really separate them into halves. I kind of needed the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that you were talking about. True, and we, yeah. we, we did split up the halves when we were discussing them when we were talking about edge runners, but that one had a very, very clear divide in the first yeah. and second half. Like, if edge runners started in the second half, I would not have batted an eye. I mean, yeah. I would have batted an eye, but the eyes would have just batted closed because I would have gone to sleep. <laughs> no, you would have been like, ah, this is anime, and then your brain would have been like, as it like, uh, like all that first thinking about anything else. Like, all that first stuff could have just been flashbacks and it would not have changed anything really to me. That's true. But you definitely need the first half of this show for the second half. So if you're yes. just getting it on this one now, go back to episode Web Jam 29 and get all the context before you get to here. Don't worry, we'll wait. Are you Mercy, jumping up here? Alright, wait. Worries, till I said back. we would wait. <laughs> well, the cat seems to want to jump up into the chair with me. But she seems confused. She's trying to get you to go back to episode 29 because she doesn't understand the first half of Andor. Well, I need her to stop being confused. Now, uh, much like last time, I don't feel as though we need to go through a blow-by-blow blow of what exactly happened in the show. I but feel we like... Did. Well, we didn't go through a direct blow-by-blow. Blow. Um, but we can most certainly touch on the major highlights so just to catch everybody up not to do the recap that they did um essentially first half we meet andor andor kills some guards he goes i need to get out of town because i just killed some guards and i don't want anybody to get in trouble i'm gonna sell this thing and he goes to his friend bix who has a friend who works at a little like parts shop who's got a secret radio that secret radio calls lucian and Lucian comes, and Andor and him meet, and they Lucian. go... Lucian? Isn't that... A, what the fuck is his name? I'm sorry. Luther. Luther. I keep 
changing his name to Lucian in my mind. Luther. Luther shows up and goes, I'm not here for the party. I'm here for you, kid. And he's like, what? Uh -huh. <laughs> it's gross. You're old, honey. Like, no, not like that. <laughs> and uh, father? Bless you. Daddy? I mean, unless you enter it. No. Andor is a handsome man. I wouldn't... Wouldn't, wouldn't fault Luther for trying to get up to that phase. To the yams. Which is a lot of yams trying to get in the show. As we'll evidence later. There was a lot of the yams. Trying to be acquired. Um, like, no one tried to pursue a man. It's crazy. <laughs> but, back to the point. So, he grabs him. They leave. Uh, Cyril, Mr. I Want Justice. Um... Dusty. Still hanging out with Mama. Yeah, he gets... He's the one that goes after Andor. He gets his shit rocked by Luthen and Andor. Uh, then he gets fired and he gets a desk job. Actually, no, he doesn't have a desk job yet. That's something to come. Ignore that I just said that. He goes back, lives with his mom. Andor goes off and he commits robbery. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Mod Mothma is doing political stuff. Uh, mm, it's Mothma. It's Mothma, Miss Mothma. <laughs> what Mommy is it? Mothma. That there it is. Mommy Mothma. Don't worry uh, about me. I'm just, I'm just thirsty over here. I'm, I'm getting some water as you speak. Kitchen. Fiending. <laughs> Fiending. Uh, but yeah, it. I'm trying to think about who I haven't touched on yet. Obviously, we had an ISB agent who was trying to work away into some more power. And there were... Unlimited power! Unlimited power! Anyway. I am surprised uh, like, uh, the popular slogan he just says. Said it the once. Which is a real crying shame. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so you just try to get unlimited power. Uh... And with that, they do the robbery. There's very, very immediate responses from every character when they hear about the robbery who was not a part of it. And we actually get to see those starting off when we get into the episode. Because, for example, one of the people who is greatly affected by the robbery, emotionally, is Mama Andor. Mama Dor. Miss Marva. And it rekindles her drive to essentially be a rebel. And to be annoying. Yeah, well, annoying to the Empire. And so when Cassian sh shows back up at the beginning of Episode 7, and he's like, hey, we gotta fucking go. I got a whole bunch of money. We can hide wherever we want. Rebellion! Yeah, that's basically her response. Like, I mean, they bought it. Cassian, Cassian, have you heard? The Empire is weak. The Empire is full of soy boys. Didn't Mother, you hear I, about I, I, the robbery? You're 89. You can't be doing this. If I can take him down, baby boy, then the Empire wasn't that great to begin with. Hey, my Mom. dogs are kind of losing it. I'll be right back. Just, just talk. Start. You guys can talk about it without me. I'll be back. Of course. So, uh, this is a very important conversation. Uh, not just because part of... Not just because this helps set up events later on in episodes, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in episodes 11 and 12, uh, more importantly to come. 
their conversation is almost a bit of a flip of the first conversation that they had. I'm pretty sure back in episode two, at that time, Cassian was the one who uh, every time still had a lot of rebelliousness in his heart. At the time, he was still hunting for information with his sister. And I will spoil you on this because it's no longer a factor. The Cassian sister plot is no longer a part of the later half of the episodes. A bit disappointing oh. if, if that was something that you were personally invested in, since it was literally the led to the inciting incident of him killing the guards. But what's important is that the scenes of Marva and Cassian talking you know, sort of mirror each other, where one seems more passionate and lit, and the other is very content with like, please stay in your goddamn lane. We must be <laughs> careful, son. Right. Before, it was Marva saying, what on earth did you do? We were living the nice cushy life here. You went to go hunt for the goddamn missing sister Who did again. you tell about this planet? Right. And oh, that led oh. to... And, that, and of course, his action, very notably, led to other people acting and a sort of perpetual cycle of action and reaction. This time, however, it's Marva, the one... Uh, promising and promoting the action seeing getting herself reacting to the actions of of cassian but cassian is like all right i've done my job in terms of getting the bag now all that's left to spend this money with my mama and my pet droid in some remote place possibly that beach planet that i hear so much about <laughs> and that comes up later <laughs> of course unfortunately marva has made the decision no I am not going to leave. I'm going to stay here for the rest of my days and fight the Empire in my home because I love this place and I love these people. A very noble stance. This is our home. Yes, home. Right. Now, of course, you, you as the audience and us as the audience also went, but what are you actually going to do, Marva? It kind of just sounds like you're just waving your arms against the empire, uh, flipping the bird against the empire every time they pass by, every time a patrol passes by your house, which is fine. You know, you can do that, but it doesn't sound like she's going to have any particular actionable uh, effects. In... <laughs> she's not like she's going to have any potent effects based on what she does physically. Unfortunately, uh, the show does actually address that very concept later on, as uh, this is a story, as we mentioned before, last a couple weeks ago, Andor is the precursor to the movie Rogue One, where Cassian Andor is already a full-blown part of the rebellion, and he is not only a part, he's pretty much the face of this squadron of, of rebels that we follow through the story. And this is very much then the TV series of how he goes from random grifter that lived on Ferrix to guy who eventually gets, you know, space lasered. Goddamn because the, <laughs> and based on what both Kaiser and Maurice uh, have told me about how the Death Star works. The Death Star is not just like a you click a button and then an entire planet gets destroyed. You have to charge the bitch up. So that means <laughs> the version of the Death Star laser that we see fired at Cassian Andor at the end of Rogue One was very personalized. And I got to admit, that's a dub. I got killed by the strongest thing in the universe by far. And it was personal. To, it was a fuck me specifically. And we bring up the old iconic words of Thugnificent, of Boondocks. Damn, what did he do to make these people that mad? <laughs> it's great. He, he stole the weakness. <laughs> Spoiler alert, if you don't mm -hmm. know Star Wars. <laughs> but 
this conversation is disastrous for Cassian. He literally only had one goal outside of finding the sister, because that's no longer a goal. It was get out. Jordan Peele would have loved it. But Marva is immovable, wanting to stay. Very, I'm sure I'm sure many people at home who have uh, older parents living in suboptimal conditions are like, please leave! And they're like, no, I literally raised you here. This is my home, I'm not leaving. But we have a better house. But we have a better, nope, because it's not my house. This one has personality. Mama. This one has significance, emotional significance, as Marva would say. <laughs> this is disheartening. Cassian does indeed leave because he cannot stay here ever since the botched operation that Cecil uh, uh, Serial and his cohorts had uh, trying to find Andor the first time. Now the Empire has taken a more express interest in what goes on here and have has set up Imperial encampments, uh, an Imperial base, and of course various patrols ever since. This place is on lockdown essentially. If I'm not mistaken, does he immediately leave from Mama Marva's house, or does he visit someone else again, like he tried the last time? If I remember, he just leaves immediately. Like, he just goes. Wait, wait, wait. He has the money, so he actually does go see Bix. That is another, yet another important interaction that happens here before he decides to fuck off for pretty much, like, five episodes straight. Okay. I forgot, yeah. like, did he see Bix first or second? I believe he saw Bix first. Because once he made his way over to Bix, like, he climbed over the wall, as apparent, uh, as apparently he has done ever since he was a small child. And Bix is not in the mood to see him. Not because uh, she hates him or anything. He just shouldn't be here. He shouldn't be here. It's the dead of night, from what it looked like in terms of the scenery. It was really black outside uh and jim is dead yep partially because, yes that's his name <laughs> the guy we talked about last time that snitched on our main character because in some way shape or form he felt insecure about his sort of you know casual fling of a relationship with bix and worried that cassian was uh securing some yams that Tim be thought belonged to himself. Is it Tim or Jim? I keep switching. It is Tim. <laughs> cool. T-I double. Now, uh, as a reward for his efforts, not only does he immediately found out because he technically snitched on himself, but then in a, an effort to try to save Bix from, you know, various guards trying to hunt down Cassian Andor back in episode three, he gets shot. So he's dead. He's gone. We don't care about him as much as Bix does. Cared a lot. Not just about him, but also about Andor this entire situation with the uh, Imperial Empire now coming in and making everybody's lives worse. So their conversation is very brief. They, of course, uh, Cassian tries his best to check on his uh, his friend here, but Dix is really much more focused on the fact that he should not be here and that he should go. Eventually, um, accepting the vibes that are being given off here, Cassian drops off a satchel that has apparently 12,000 credits, enough to pay back all of the debts he is owed from his life here on Ferex. He has no particular intentions on coming back, uh, but he hoped he could take Marva with him. That is a and lot of debts, Cassie, to be honest. It is a lot of debts. It is a lot of debts that unfortunately mean nothing in terms of one particular person who he apparently owed a debt to. 
and we'll get to that we will indeed get to that and so Cassian leaves Ferris and that leaves us with the notable question well where the hell is he going anyway um he didn't mention this in this conversation with Marva I just brought it up because it would be a nice hypothetical that turned reality there is indeed a bleach planet just out in the in cosmos I don't know the star map of Star Wars so maybe somebody somebody in chat and or somebody over the comments and the VODs could uh elaborate this for us where exactly it is but there's a beach planet that seems kind of like new jersey beach i could find so, it on like the Star city i'm glad you could it's not as important about where it is uh because what's more important about what the actual beach is it feels a lot like new jersey as a resident philadelphian because there's just a bunch of druggies everywhere <laughs> it's like that it's new jersey i don't know what to tell you uh but here in space new jersey there are various people sitting along the beach edge, sipping on what looks like uh, the ooze that Ivan Ooze was selling from the Power Rangers movie. And Cassian is already laid up with a new woman. Uh, we, this woman doesn't matter. It's just the idea that he is very good making a life for himself under false name. He gets some yams quickly. He does. He do, if he anybody can, in fact, get to the yams. <laughs> he could secure your butt. He could secure your money and secure your yams in one foul swoop. The true maker of a grifter. Han Solo could never. Han Solo. Took Han Solo a long time to get his. <laughs> Han Solo played the long game, and what good did it get him? A if anything, Leia got, it got him. Leia got the lamp squid. It, it got him a dark child that murdered him. Yes. <laughs> so. It might be an L. All seems, all seems kind of good. Kind of. The problem is when he's sent to go to the literal like random corner store. Yo, uh, he's not uh, even sent. He's just like, I'm gonna go to the store. Make sure you get me every day. He's like, sure. And then he leaves. And here's the here's a part. Oh, uh, here's a part of the story that can be a, a bit sensitive for those who have um, dealt with law enforcement in a very particular way. You'll pick up what I'm putting down as soon as I describe the scene to you. Cassian, you are Cassian. Congratulations. You're walking along the beach I'm finally handsome. to the store. You're walking at a very casual, leisurely pace because, I mean, you're not doing anything wrong. You're literally a outlaw with no one looking for you, technically. But there are people behind you running a very fast pace, and they zoom by you because a shore trooper... Now, hold your breath. I also laughed when I heard that fucking name. Really adorable. They stopped becoming adorable in the next two seconds. Shore troopers are apparently chasing various people who are uh, a part of it, air quotes. And those people, as we saw running by Cassian, seem to be those people. Cassian gets literally <clears throat> 15 paces away from the store in question when he's stopped by another shore trooper in the area, gets shaken down, interrogated, questioned about if he's a part of it. Cassian obviously asks, what the fuck is it? With no clear answer. What's more clear, however, is that the shore trooper and the big carrier droid, a very similar kind of droid to the one we'll meet in Rogue One, comes along and into us goes. And the shore trooper says, you know what? You're suspicious. I'm going to take you in for holding. Why were you running? I was walking. Mm, seems running. suspicious. I don't know. Everyone else was running. You, you, you seem like you were to, running. You seem to be a part of it. Air quotes. Oh, can you imagine? Can you hear the blood boiling in my voice? I. 
I'm not comfortable. I'm right a now. tourist. Tourists don't run, but I'm not running. You got that right. That window is shut. I'm just going to the store. It's literally right there. Are you a part of it? What is it? What just, is it? Just, I'm just going Keep to saying. the store. Sir, it I'm going to have to ask right you to calm there. down. But you're trying so to that was my favorite. I didn't do. So, he gets Red taken into custody. Please. That's right. He gets taken into custody. Not only is he taken into custody, he goes straight to the courthouse. Not only does he go straight to the courthouse, the courthouse just goes... The person behind, uh, the person before him, uh, yeah, you got twenty, you got twenty years, stamp of paper. Next, four months. So you, you, uh, here are your charges. You resisted arrest. You had anti-imperialist rhetoric. Yada yada yada. A bunch of false charges. Obviously, uh, Cassian wants to uh, go against these claims. However, she immediately stops and says, "Ah, don't say anything. It will add to your charges." Well, this used to be a six-month offense, but because of changes in the in the imperial regulations, it's now six years. Stamp. Next. He also said, "I'm just a tourist here." And oh. Yeah, her responsibility to go. Oh, oh my apologies then. Fuck off. And then she just yep. kept going. Absolutely nothing he said, or anything he did, mattered. As we find out soon enough, where he's being sent off to for six years is not a normal prison. He gets uh, aboard a ship, conveniently segregated by, if I'm not mistaken, you were right, Kaiser, that there were alien races in the courtroom, and they were sent to other ships. Mm -hmm. So they kept all, they corralled a lot of humans into one ship, with Cassian being one of them, and sent them to a particular prison planet colony that be situated like an oil rig, just, a, just across a big-ass ocean with no discernible landmarks and no other way of getting out, um, except by swimming. This prison rig seems to be where Cassian is going to spend the next four whole ass episodes, if I remember correctly. Actually, Maybe three and a half. No, he's there. He is in the fucking prison for five episodes. All right, he's in it for a long time, ladies and gents. This is literally the second half. There are of like uh, actually because of the fact he doesn't get put it in here. It is four episodes. But he I is like there until episode 12. So he is there for... That was 7. 8, 9, yep. 10, 11. And then in 12, he has just gotten free. So four episodes. I call this the Shawshank Redemption arc. And I knew that... And I said that before actually witnessing the... Before we witnessed the events. Of That's right, everyone. And or move the plot along by getting the person falsely arrested for walking. Right. Uh, so we'll stop with Andor right here and instead focus on the other half of the show, literally everybody else. <laughs> because Andor's going to be yeah, in there for a while and we'll, it, it feels better to talk about that as a whole since it's fairly disconnected from everything else in the show until he becomes free. But also, it's a fantastic arc. It is. Um, now, yeah. You want to take, take this again? Well, I... Uh, could we get a let's go with 10 word or less description of what I missed? Um, before you came back, I was just loosely talking about the Already out of words. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking about the conversation Marva and Cassian had before he left Barracks. Okay, Andor's so we, goodbye. We've only been on Andor. So, simultaneously, we do have 
very easy one to go through. Cyril does get a job, and he like people are like, ah, this is everything. You'll be in this little cubicle that's identical to the cubicle right there, and the cubicle right there, and the cubicle right there. Oh, you on Milan one? And he was like, yeah, two rebels killed two guards, colleagues. I attempted to capture them. I failed. I'm Whoa. here to get my record expunged. They're like, oh. I don't care. I'll get to work. It is very clearly. Me want uh, justice. Yeah, me want justice is still on on the hopium. And there is no hope. No hope yet. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I feel like we can go through all of Cyril's stuff up to Ferrix. We can indeed, because it's funny as shit. Yeah. So. I need to make that short still. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, if there's ever a point in time where one of you guys take over for an extended period of time, we'll see if I can't make that during the stream. Yeah. Uh, but to get into it, essentially, Cyril uh, gets his new job and he is working diligently, but he is also diligently attempting to get information about Cassie and Andor. And he's like, utilizing the database, making false reports to try and get information about him, trying to utilize backdoors to the point that stormtroopers actually show up and they bring him in for questioning. And he's just like, yeah, I did it. I know what I did. I do it again too. <laughs> like, I'm, I, justice, don't, I, did it. I don't remember which episode it happens in, so I can't jump to it to remind myself. But if I, I remember like, correctly, uh, so ISB lady, are the one that we've been following, actually is the one who interrogates him, and she's just like, you've made four illegal, four illegal requests about Cassie and Andor. Five. I'm not counting the one you sent this morning. <laughs> just, just the fact that she goes, four, five. And he's just staring <laughs> at her. <laughs> this is where we start to learn that Serial is he, a he, fucking creep. He wants justice. He wants justice. He, he is a man who knows what he wants. Whether or not he gets it, it's kind of funny. But that develops into the reason why she's one interrogating him is not because of the fact that he... Uh, He's been doing these legal requests, and it's her job to interrogate him. She actually wants to talk to him because of the fact that she's uh, been given Ferrix. And she's like, give me more information about your report on Cassie and Andor. And he's just like, <gasps> yes, ma'am, I'll give you everything you need to know. And he goes, uh, she asked him about the report from Ferrix. And he goes, I don't know what the report said. And she was like, huh? You signed it. He's like, Yes, I was forced to sign it. I didn't even get to read it. And she goes, hmm. Give him the report. <laughs> and he gets given the report and he reads it and he explains like, I think at one point he says that Cassian had a secret cabal of rebels in the city of Ferrix and that wasn't even mentioned in the report. And it's like, that's definitely not what it was, but okay. <laughs> You're right, look, that wasn't mentioned. Look, the town community is just a big old cabal of rebbies. That is literally what they are. 
we've seen it, we've seen evidence of that exact thing before in episode three, when they fought off the Morlana guards. Kill people. It was a whole tale murdering people. That's Frank also, got a body. I found out that it was Lily right in front of where it was. <laughs> the best part it's about been this is less that, uh... than a month, and you filed five false reports. Six, actually. I wasn't counting this morning. <laughs> the best part about the and this entire interaction between our ISB lady and Serial is that uh, Serial's demeanor, something that we talked about before in his original uh, character introduction scene, was back on Morlana, back with uh, Morlana, was that he was very keen on expressing himself, usually through the still very simple and radical sense of justice that he feels but in this case he is soft-spoken he is reserved because he's well in a terror is in an interrogation like scenario obviously he's brought in by soldiers by imperial stormtroopers this is not a celebratory occasion and only when she brings up the idea of like poking more and prodding more about ferrex about his about the operation that happened and the reports, does he start to get a glint in his eye, a sort of passion behind him? Because up until this point, every other person he has talked to, from his mother to his even other co-workers and his former boss, have showed little disinterest in pursuing what seems to be a hotbed situation in lead. Except for ISB Lee. The only person who, in his mind, from what he believed from the rest of the series onward, understands him. And he is very excited like that. He like a sees, puppy with a gun in his hand. You can literally see the hearts form in his eyes. Um, I, I, Cabal was not the right word. It was cadre that he said. Yeah. Also, apparently, he wanted to throw his commander under the bus because... I'm trying to get back to it. It's worse than I feared. Criminal negligence of my commanding officer... The total lack of Imperial authority on Ferrix. The fact that Andor obviously had an organized local cadre of accomplices. None of that is here. And basically, she tries to ask him about Luthen, who he knows nothing about. Um, but she says, listen, I'll tell your bosses that you are of service to the Empire today, and you'll be happy with that. And he... Looks a little bit dejected, and he shouts after. I was a good detective inspector. I... One second. I want to see what the exact line is. I was very good. I solved a double murder and found the killer in two days. I was overly ambitious, yes, but time was slipping, and the opportunity was real. Service to the Empire, you just said it. Can one be too aggressive in preserving order? Uh, yeah, yeah. He kind of had it until he said the last line of, I didn't deserve what happened. Like, eh. he is simultaneous. Here's the thing. Cyril has doubled down on the idea of the Empire and serving it with the failure. But simultaneously, you can see repeatedly that Cassian is almost equally focused on his... Basically, he wants to earn glory in serving the Empire. 
It is not a purely selfless act that he is doing. But he does try to frame it as such a lot of the time. What do you guys think? Uh, there is a there's a particular dissatisfaction that he exhibits when yeah. it comes to the other people that he recognizes are in power, his former boss, and even ISB lady in this very room, that it's not specifically that they are just not acting um the the vision of justice that he imagines when he's um a part of these uh, companies and a part of this empire but it's also more specifically that they tell him to not do it to not act in a way that he believes is worthy for himself when his boss mm -hmm. is just like hey i see you got all spiffied up you brought me this report i need you to lie lie put on the report and go back to our daily cushy job and serial took that personally it was just no i will hunt for justice because this is what i want to do this is what i think is worthy of me being in the empire or empire adjacent in the case of his first job just and us. now being a part of right and now being a part of the empire proper he's just like nope i still want the thing yeah, even though as i said cold yeah man. even though i said this before the very first time when he decided to go against his former boss's orders, there was not much per there was not much benefit to the plan that he enacted to going against his boss's orders, even if he succeeded in capturing and uh, Cassian. So it was never specifically about oh we got to take this criminal off the streets. There's a there's a different kind of benefit that he believes he gets if he catches this particular criminal. Maurice, you sounded like you had something. My brain just realized that my brain was like, oh, man, he got those three nice people fired. No, he got everyone fired. Every he got the organization he worked for fired. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that I said he was actually going to ruin the whole op and he did. He, he ruined literally the entire organization. Everyone lost a damn jobs. Yeah. Now, thanks, buddy. I knew I couldn't count on you for shit. I would like to bounce away from him for a second, just talk about what happens with ISB Lady. Because ISB Lady actually goes to Ferrix next. Wherein, we've, uh, Bix decides that she wants to send out a message to Andor. Because Marva isn't taking her medication. She's not doing so well. Yeah, and so they're trying to get in contact with Andor to tell him, hey, not looking real good. And so they send a message to Luthen, and Luthen does not respond, as Luthen doesn't know where Andor is. And Luthen would very much like to kill Andor in order to cut him off as a loose end. Not long after that, though, we have a little interlude with uh, Andor in prison. Uh, we're, we go back to Ferrix again, and that's when ISB Lady shows up, and she comes essentially out of a building, dragging a mostly unconscious store owner. The same store owner who owns the shop where Bix's secret radio was hidden. 
and the torture did break him. He did identify Bix as a contact, and so they we like to her. call him Green Jacket and his son Green Hoodie. Yes, Green Jacket, I believe, is then hung at the command of Ice B Lady. And Brasso, uh, yeah. aka best friend, does attempt to like hide Bix, but it does not work. Although, not that it would work particularly considering they know her name and her face as they're literally looking at a like tablet to be like, ah, that is you. God, the Empire is unnecessarily evil in this whole thing. Um, literally one of them in a black coat when they're chasing what's her bucket. Just <laughs> get her! One of my favorite. One thing that I always just found funny is like they were chasing her and then we like cut away and when we cut back to her, they just caught her and I was like, I thought you was actually going to get away. You live here. I thought the town was going to start doing the beats again. The drums of war. Not yet. So, yeah. And then she, uh... This son is I like about uh, Andor. Um... It's not, it's not always going to be happy. Some, yeah. some people just lose. And that does bring us into what happens with her, because I feel like well, I... I'm sticking on this for a moment because I would like to get this out of the way. Essentially, they bring her in, and I was incorrect. They weren't. Um, it was actually Green Hoodie who was yelling at the guards, "Where's my dad? Where did you take my dad?" And they're just like, "Get the fuck out of the way!" Nobody and tell him. Stupid ace. Nobody uh, tell him. Nobody tell him. It's a secret. It's a surprise. It's, it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a surprise piece of bad news that'll help us later. Yeah, and now is when we find the child, and unfortunately, not the child, the father. And we find the father in this almost vegetative state in a chair. He's, he is sweaty. He's got snot coming out of his nose. It's not a great sight, and. We then kind of just have ISB lady sneering at Bix, and then she's like, "Well, I'm gonna give you over to the doctor here." And, and the doctor straight up is like, "Don't worry, I torture people mentally." That that is almost exactly what he says, and I'm gonna risk a thing real quick. We'll do it in a way that should be safe. So, if that is work, the doctor will. And the doctor is like, waves. Just like, hi. As he's working on something over there. And essentially, he pulls out these headphones and he goes, Ah, yes, we're on a moon out in the universe. 
and there were these weird locals that we decided to exterminate. And when they're killed, they kind of let out this weird, extremely loud pitch <clears throat> screeching that me want justice. Justice! Um, but yeah, and he's like, they let out this very interesting noise. And we've, I've got it right here on recording, and I'd love to show it to you. And it has a very peculiar effect on people. <laughs> I'm trying to find his actual verbiage here. Because essentially she's like, tell me what, or I'm going to make him put the thing on you. Got you talked for a long time. It's a chortle agonized sound. Oh. Sorry, a choral agonized sound. Agonized pleading. It's quite unlike anything anyone's ever heard before. There were three communications officers monitoring the... Okay, sorry. Monitoring the documentation. And they were found hours later, later huddled together in various states of emotional distress. In a crawl space beneath the ship's bridge. And he's taken them, modified them, and layered them, and then adjusted them. And we found what we believe to be primarily the children. And its own particular effect. And then he puts the thing on her, and we never hear what the sound is, but it has a very immediate effect to Bix's face and her emotional state. As within a couple of seconds, she screams. And that is the only sound we hear. When you're willing to cooperate, let me know. Oh, and if you're having difficulty speaking, just shake your head from side to side. Like, this is one of those Doctor characters that knows exactly what he's doing and knows it's fucked up, but is having a fun time with it, and that's even weirder. This is what we imagine Nazi Doctors were like. Yes, in fact. So, uh, she goes through this for an indeterminate amount of time, because, you know, no one's keeping a clock in that room, yeah. and we're not keeping a clock as the audience. No, and so... I'm going to jump back to Zero for a moment because there's a very quick scene with him that I found amazing. Oh, is this the one? Is this, <laughs> is this the one we like? <laughs> yep. It, it's him with his mother again in Serial. Serial <laughs> as a Serial. And she is giving him just the his fucking Miranda rights. It calls him a shadow of a son, a tenant, a stranger. That's no, you'll remember that. All that time away on Morlana. What Here's if I'd let your one. neglect drive me insane? Imagine that. Look back just months ago when you could easily ignore me. Imagine, loud slurping. Imagine I'd cracked under the weight of your neglect. Imagine I cracked and wasn't here now to pick up the pieces. 
and oh. then he just hits her with the "I've been promoted," and and then her whole it is the worst part about this woman is that everything she said up to that point, visually, she is frowning. It is the same type of look any sort of judgmental parrot you unfortunately may have in your life has done to you. But then when you say something that they want to hear, they pause. It, it's like a fucking computer programming a new uh, routine. They input the data, and then they smile, and they go, Ah! No, 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 shut your, shut your dumb ass up. I'm tired of you. What is she Literally say? smiles and turns to him like I'm showing the screenshots of it. Doing it quickly because you can't trust Disney. And I I need to show this screen. I knew they'd recognize your promise. Uh, sure. Yeah, whatever, ma. Uh, the fucking face squint. And no shame to the actor, but you wrinkly bitch. Cyril is just like, okay. Bleeding right now. Roz the and Maurice time will be increased. Uncle Harlow woman... will be so pleased. And then That's she even gives his ass more know. cereal. There's probably a, a, a little bit more to talk about with this relationship between Serial and the mother, but it's not the most important things that, uh, or they are not the most important things that we explore in the show. Their dynamic is fascinating. Their dynamic is great because it actually, how to put this? Uh, he has such a mundane relationship with his mother. Cyril is I this is honestly what I actually like about Cyril and Andor. I like how mundane his shit is. Like we literally get a couple of scenes with that man sitting in a cubicle and typing. He doesn't even say anything. It just shows him sitting there just doop a doop and then it goes somewhere else. We have several scenes of him eating cereal with his mother, who is pestering him about the fact that he just got fired and doesn't have a job, and how we should go to his uncle and ask him for a job. And it's just like... Th this is just a guy living in the universe that we're watching. And I love that fact. He does... This is now the scene where... <laughs> we all... Found it incredibly creepy, but also incredibly <laughs> this amusing. Is where, this is where he goes from normal guy, as you literally just built it up to say, to when he becomes, oh, he becomes a, a character. Um, for context, not much nuanced context, because you've heard us joke about this all two and a half streams now. I have started... From the moment he introduced himself, I have called uh, called Serial Miwan Justice. Because for the, for the most part, that is literally one of the driving motivations of his character, as we already explored. But uh, despite my joke, it was never as extreme as the joke made it out to be. Much like many of the jokes that I make. I speak in exaggeration. But this is one of the rare times that a character decides to take the exaggerated perspective that 
one would ha I would have about a character and just be like, you know what? I am that, Thomas. So we cut to the ISB main headquarters. Yeah, and Ciro kind of comes out from behind a pillar and he's kind of pacing back and forth, looking down the line. And then who should start to walk up but our ISB agent lady? And he <laughs> sort of half steps it away. Yep. Not it makes like, his presence known is the best way to put it. Yeah, he doesn't super cut her off, but he definitely is just like, hi, I'm here. And her <laughs> <laughs> And then for not the first time, he <laughs> He just goes, Zero Khan. <laughs> Sorry, Zero Karn. I know who you are. And then he he just has this desperate, like, desperate <laughs> look for a need of approval right now. Like, this is the most fucking, I can't say the word on Twitch. It starts with an S, ends with a type <laughs> of devil <laughs> and, that I have seen in a long time. Yeah. Like, he he is just like, uh, hi, what are you doing here? I, uh, uh, I wanted to thank you for the promotion. I had nothing to do with it. Well, my boss seemed to think you did. We simply gave, gave you a clean bill of health. Have you been waiting out here? Yes. He is... <laughs> Cyril is so immediate with his responses sometimes. And he is again, a, he is a good, he is a good subby boy if you're into this kind of person. Um, oh my god, very, if that's what you're into, you're. He's very passionate. He's very passionate about wanting justice, um, but he's also very passionate about getting the the notices from Senpai. Senpai being, I finally learned her name. Her name is uh, Deidre Mero. Yeah, it's Deidre. I was like, what is this woman's name? And I spent the last, like, 20 minutes trying to find her. Listen, I'm going to be 100% honest. I never remember names when I'm listening to podcasts like this, especially when they go on for, so far, 50 minutes. Um, and likely to go on for a couple more hours. I never remember people's names when you say the direct names. And so I'm just like, that's one of the reasons why I, I use the character descriptions. Also because of the fact there's a lot of fucking names in this show and it's hard to remember. I do have a true. list, though. Uh, there, there will be some. There will be an entire litany of names that we'll talk about when we finally get back to the actual title character of this play. Yeah, of this goddamn show. A whole lot of new characters. Right but again, we'll I get am to back. I'm gonna be right, honest. So, We've been ranting for so long. I did not actually realize you had left, and I feel bad to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. I didn't leave. I am, my house is being noisy. I am happy for your return. Serial well, it's only for a minute. The house is about this, to get noisy again. Right. The entire point of this interaction, in terms of just oh, I want to writing in future setup purposes, right? I want to continue to read these lines because they're not okay. Because yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely, not. legitimately, just first of all, like you could draw a lot of this conversation back to like the previous one. It's like you put in five false reports asking about Cassie and or six. Have you been waiting out here? Yes. And it literally is that fast. Like, there's no, like, pause. Like, I don't know if I should say it. He is instantly just, yes. 
It all, he almost interrupts her. I never lied to you is his next line. I, I needed to find you and it's not that easy to thank you for what you did and what you're doing. And very reasonably, ISB lady is <laughs> just... Um... <laughs> I, I thought this man was me watching she... Justice. This doesn't... This isn't Justice. Justice! Um... And to follow on, and try to follow on the conversation we had last month. It's been a month. My god. Oh. That wasn't a conversation. You were brought in for questioning. Are you stalking me? I know you work here, and I come sometimes to see if I'll see you. <laughs> the answer is yes. Down there was a person. The Her response is, yes. is I like reasonably. She's just like, bitch. I can have you arrested. You? I have an ISB supervisor. I believe the next line is, I could have you arrested. I have an ISB supervisor. Do you have any idea how much trouble you're in right now? He's like, how I, much trouble am I in, ma'am? No, he keeps you just, he, me, officer. He keeps going yeah. with his wild. <laughs> I thought I had ruined my life. You, you're about to. Right. I thought I ruined my life. I thought I was done. Right. After meeting you and discovering you understood how dangerous Cassian Andor was, just uh huh. It all leads back to Cassian. That, just that's the reason. Believing in your presence, I've realized that life is worth living. That's no. that's a direct <laughs> quote from him. He <laughs> is losing it, guys. Down uh, bad is not strong enough language. No, codependent is the best word here. Um, again, I talked, I prefaced a little bit of what some, some psychology that's going on here with the relationship with his mother, the sort of pressures that he feels as a person participating here in Star Wars as a society. Now he's finally found a person, as I mentioned before in the interrogation scene, that he believes is on the same page as him. And he's latched onto that. He's latched onto that idea. And very unfortunately, because she is in a higher position or an authoritative position, much like what he's used to with his mother, he now has somebody that he wants the approval, that he wants the attention of. Much to Deidre's detriment. Yes. <laughs> Understandably. What's in over here? Help. Help. <laughs> Let me out. Let me out. This is not this a is dance. Not He's like, me want justice, but maybe we want justice? And that's not touch my me. favorite part. I realize, and to justify Thomas's joke more than ever, his line that he follows up, I realize life is worth living. I realize that if nothing else, there was justice. <laughs> he said it, baby. He said the J word. There's justice just and beauty us. in the galaxy, and if I just kept going, perhaps my deranged belief that there was something better fated for me in the future. Oh, get your dirty hands off me! Still talking about himself, yeah. In the future he was a dream her. worth clinging to. And that's, that's oh. how I go. She tries to walk past him, and he just grabs her. 
I could have you arrested. You're aware of that, is her response. Rightfully so. What was that? I, I'm gonna be real with you. She should have just called the bluff and just be like, I'm arresting you right now. I need to oh. not see you ever again. His response is, I want what you want. <laughs> her response is, I want you arrested. I sense it. I know it. You're out of your mind. I have already given you a second chance. You come near me again, you pursue any of this, and I I'm swear I'll have you in a cage on the outer rim. The worst part is, a very reasonable response. Uh, and just like the horror stories of every single woman in my life, this man simply won't leave her alone after this. He will not. <laughs> I think oh, the, look there he is in that window. The thing that <laughs> that is I the funniest the not the funniest joke. The thing that had our group in stitches the most when we were watching it together and the thing that I've been saying I need to make it to a short is that after she leaves, she goes up to her office and she opens the door and her her assistant is in there waiting for her. And I'll show the scene. And I believe it was me. My immediate response was, can you imagine if that was fucking Cyril just in her assistant's uniform? <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> just met her up here. And then we made the joke of him just climbing up the fucking window on the, on the left, just staring at her through it as it got started. Ah, <laughs> uh, Cyril. <sighs> That, I'm not kidding. Bro. That had us in stitches for like several minutes. We had to pause and before we could get back into it. Serial was deranged. Serial was a deranged, deranged man, and I'm here for it. And I believe oh. the last thing that happens with him, and I'm gonna jump to it real quick. Uh, also, I'm gonna be honest. Bix, Bix just continues to get tortured. The whole time. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah, ever, she pretty, done the dirty pretty much from this show. scene to the end of the show, when she's eventually rescued, thank God she's rescued, she is just getting sound blasted with the worst audio recording of the Caramella dance song. And that's what I imagine is playing in her ear uh, uh, for the entire uh, time. Well, I'm making an edit of that. This Caramella dance. <laughs> yep. Oh, it, listen, that used to annoy me when I was a child, when I had no sense of ironic mean taste. See, child me is screaming, stop. But adult me is like, no, I'm This is what happens when intrusive thoughts win, ladies and gents. Look at them. Do you know I what? just mentioned it, and they started shucking and jiving for me. You know what I think the funny part is? <laughs> <laughs> Actively with the way I have Maurice and Ross set up, they could, in fact, if they felt like it, dance back and forth. <laughs> yeah, they could. They just had to make like <laughs> cool, quick, short noises. Also, what, what, something like that. Um, I'm getting back through it pretty quick, just so we can finish up with what Cyril does until obviously the important stuff. Um. Yeah, the next thing that happens with Cyril is that he actually get a, gets a call from the sergeant. The, the ex-sergeant. Uh, Mr. Bootlicker. And he's like, sir, 
You said you wanted word if I heard anything about Andor. I've heard his mother died. What, what did you hear? She's his dead. mom died. Oh, I can't hear you over the thing. I killed her myself. Yes, <laughs> yes. Everybody say it'll come home for the funeral. It's going to be a big thing. I'm not even on the same planet and I know about it. But yeah, so... He ends up... Oh. Well, that was done out of order. I mentioned that Marva's dead. Whatever, he go Cyril well, goes we, like... We saw it coming. Yeah. We saw it coming, unfortunately. We've already talked about the fact that she was not taking her medication. Yeah. And so... They... He agrees with the sergeant. They're gonna meet up. And they're gonna... Get him on Ferrix. Which... With those two out of the way, I feel like we can very quickly yep. go through um, Luthen as his story is honestly incredibly short because his whole shindig is that he goes on a little he goes on a trip in his favorite rocket ship zooming through the sky um, he is a little Einstein and you, you see I did it to him back he made me do the caramel dance and I made him finish the song you're welcome. Manipulated. Everyone's uh, getting manipulated out here. It's crazy, guys. Uh, um, does anybody else want to go over the conversation with Sagara where I run and get my food real quick? Uh, ooh, do I remember? Remember? So basically, I I can do it. Uh, he shows up and he literally just goes. Hey, Saw. Hey, Billy. Um, hey, Billy Bob. And they... He's like, I've got a couple of parts for you. And he's like, what's your price? And the price is that he wants him to team up with another rebel. Because he's trying to get everybody organized. Like, we need to start working together. And Saw's so just like, I don't know if I want to. Let me think about it. And so he leaves. Then he nearly gets caught by a ship and there's a Roz you like the star fight right the ship fight Both. mostly okay I was man it I didn't care I didn't see the need for it it kind of it, it was just okay kind of like oh this guy is this guy is very good at what he does because he hit the ship very well but he still got caught and now he knows how to get away so it was just an emphasis of his character more so than the fight itself, because it wasn't even really a fight. Yeah. One-sided beat there. <laughs> um, it, I'll be honest, it sticks out like a sore thumb in my memory, because the show does so much build-up for most of the fights, and just having this random fucking star fight and the middle of an episode, which is like, why? When did we become the Mandalorian? Why are we just doing random fighting? What's going on? Get him out of here. Get out of here. I would have preferred if he had just done the thing where he launches the fucking shards back at the tractor beam and then just takes off. Yeah, it, it, yeah. On it like just it never happened. Yeah, and it's just like, why did you? Why did you fight? They can't track you through hyperspace. I know you have to like. Find the lane, but you cannot tell me that's not literally the first thing you were calculating the second you got into Atmo. But, yeah, that happens. Uh, 
we find out that the ISB actually capture one of the other rebels pilots and they find out about the plan that the other rebel uh rebel is going to do that's um Luthen just told saw he should join up with but there's a mole in the ISB and that ISB agent goes and tells Luthen about the fact that they have the pilot and they know and it's going to be a massacre and then we get to one of the better speeches in my opinion of the show what because have you sacrificed? yes, because the ISB agent is like, I'm living in fear of getting caught. I have a wife. I have a kid. What the fuck are you doing? And what am I doing? I yeah. What have I sacrificed? <laughs> now, real quick, seriously, please talk about this. I have food sitting on my porch, and it's like 30 degrees outside. I would like for my food not to be frozen by the time I get it. Well, a lot, don't you? Please talk. Let it go. Your lunch is now an ice block. Now it's cold. Now it's, now it's cold. cold. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't so, watch your food anyway. What's very interesting about this scene is that the ISB agent in question, we kind of knew for several episodes before this character's reveal that there was a mole within the ISB um, administrator agency, the sort of circular white table that we've met both Deidre Mero and various other ISB agents in, mostly because Mon Mothma is also in contact with that same ISB. It is a known mole as a part of the entire network for the seedlings of rebellion, I guess I'll call this group. So it was a bit of a surprise, no less, uh, because he did his job very well. Didn't suspect him at all, since, of course, uh, Deidre has been the most prominent ISB member in our line of sights as an audience member as he's making his way down an elevator shaft to meet Luthen in disclosed very like it's it gives off the meeting place that he uh, he gets to after he gets off of the elevator gives off very heavy Luke and Vader fighting on that one part of the Death Star where Luke gets his arm cut off but it's in a darker setting so it looks like it's from the prequel movies instead and Luthen's about to say you have no power here or something along those lines. It doesn't give off a meeting between uh, two, a rebel informant and a rebel mastermind, but rather like a small, very much afraid, uh, very much afraid Imperial soldier meeting the Dark Lord. And Luthen, I'm very serious when I say this. For this, for these sections of the show, he keeps wearing the darkest cloaks and puts a hood over his head that makes him look like he's going to pull out a lightsaber at any moment. <laughs> uh, but literally, he doesn't. Literally, he, uh, the elevator door opened. I think the first words out of my mouth. Oh no, it's Darth Luther. It's <laughs> Darth Luther. I started calling him that as the, the course of this. Uh, the conversation that they have actually starts while the elevator is making its way to that lower level. There's a sort of uh, earpiece that is in a you know, compartment that you can uh, reach if you're looking for it, but fortunately placed that no random person could actually just find it willy-nilly. Once he puts the earpiece in his ear, uh, Luthen and this character have their interaction. Several key important parts of their conversation goes, you took a great risk coming here. 
especially with you know your new baby on the way and our informant is distraught and disturbed even that Luthen knows about this very private piece of information that he never bothered to try to tell anyone let alone this mastermind that he's been working with but of course also here to try also here under the as Luthen eventually says under the guise of telling more information about this aforementioned other rebel that's going to get caught by the ISV um, if nothing is done about it of course and just trying to say hey you know there's things going on in the ISV I'm here to warn you but really Luthen pries out of him the reality of why the informant physically met up here today the informant wants out. The informant has been a part of the ISB for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, long enough to be promoted as uh, one of the administrators. It's a very yeah. high up, it's a very high up position, precarious even because of the very moment you know he's outed, both him and probably his family will get you know uh, hung. It seems to be a very prominent thing to do. Like in a, uh, this is a side note. Oh, while I try to filibuster for Kaiser, uh. In a universe where there's space lasers, they really like lynching people, and I feel uncomfortable about that as a black man. <laughs> yeah. I know it's the I know it's the point to like make them more cruel because they chose such a rudimentary form of you know dispatching dissidents. But man, my bones have been itching pretty much since Andor got uh tailgated by the short trooper. I'm like I feel I feel all my blackness activating at once. It's not great, but it is. That's a lie. It's not great for my personal health. It is great for tension. Of course, Luthen himself is—he's uh, the kind of condescending understanding of our informant situation and wants and needs, but straight up has to flatly tell him, "No, you can't leave. That is—that is not an option for you. We've spent so much time grooming you in this position." To just let you go now, and you know, this is good news you've brought me, but That'd not be enough. Stupid of me. But you, you can't, you can't possibly believe that bringing this sort of goodie bag of information is enough to be like a send off goodbye. I still needs you in that position, uh, no matter how dangerous it may be, no matter how dangerous you think it is. Uh, while I won't be able to pull up the actual dialogue for this interaction. Our informant does retort, well, I feel like I'm at risk. I feel like I'm risking everything that I care about. What are you doing? What are you risking? And Luthen responds, not succinctly, rather. This is one of the more important speeches that we see throughout the latter half of the series. Luthen says, I gave up the ability to have close, meaningful relationships to... Uh, condemn myself to this idealistic version of justice I had as a youngster getting myself into something that would take years and slowly jade me into the man that you see today that still has to fight for no more reasons other than that it's what the younger me wanted to do but also because they need to be stopped even if I have to use the tools that they use Something that we noted, uh, something that I noted in our first half of the series two weeks ago, was a little bit that Luthen acts very much like, uh, as Maurice would like to call them, ultimate gray area character. Star Wars has always been a franchise that uh, that 
cleanly defines a black and a white or a blue and a red if we want to talk lightsabers light in the dark and a light in the dark but there are plenty of people han solo used to be one of them from the original series that was kind of in the middle just trying to survive trying to do their things or trying to further some personal goal that wasn't a part of a sense of idealism yeah that is something i would like to push back against because that's always been a good it was like oh star wars always has only good or only bad characters like that no there is always at least one gray character who is there and they are very distinct from everybody else. Yes, the main conflict is a very clear, this is the good guy, this is the bad guy. It kind of happens sometimes. You know, a lot of the, even with the iconography, a lot of Star Wars just visuals are based off of World War II. Yeah. Guess what? That's a real-life conflict that had a clear good guy and a clear bad guy. Yes, during the point in time that it was happening, many of the Germans probably thought they were the good guys. But also, we were able to take a step back and be like, um, hey, that, that all was not, like, you guys realize that at this point, right? And yeah. from the people that I knew in, when I was in the army who were a part of the German military, every time that the war came up, they're basically just sitting there like Canadians. We're sorry. Yep, we're sorry. Sorry. <laughs> we're sorry. Just, uh, just wait in up, our defense, he was Austrian, wait. not German. Wake up, have a morning cup of coffee. <laughs> hey, Schmidt, what? World War Two. I'm sorry, okay? Goddamn. I get it. It's early, it's early in the morning, up. man. <laughs> that was my right. grandpa, not Come even me. On. Yeah. I've already paid reparations. Yes, uh, Luthen here is uh, the the person that clearly has grand visions for the for the galaxy. Uh, much like the dark-robed counterpart that he's trying to destroy the Empire of. Uh, but he says during this monologue of his that he hates this. He doesn't exactly enjoy what he's doing. He doesn't enjoy the fact that he has to use the tools of the oppressors to dismantle the oppression. Uh, uh, and that essentially he gave up everything. His Not opening his life, is calm, kindness, kinship, inner peace love i give up all chance of inner peace i've made my mind a sunless space i share my dreams with ghosts which is just a hard fucking line i true. love that that is that's true one of I, my two again, favorite lines of the speech my, ans my ancestor my ancestors feel that one i share my dreams with ghosts i wake up every day to an equation i wrote 15 years ago from which there is only one conclusion i'm damned for what i do but when i say it i'm called edgy my anger oh, my ego too. my own willingness to yield my eagerness to fight they've all set me on a path from which there is no escape i yearn to be a savior against injustice without contemplating uh Sorry, I, it, he talks very quickly in this scene, and I missed it. Oh. Without cool. contemplating the cost. And by the time I looked down, there was no longer any ground beneath my feet. What is my sacrifice? I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemies to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. 
And the ego that started this fight will never have a mirror. Or an audience or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything. Everything! He does shout he's everything. Out of, he's out of line, but he's right. Yeah. Uh... More importantly, he says that you'll, uh, this is a victory, a sunrise you'll never see. Eh, he doesn't die. <laughs> so maybe he did see it after Luke, you know, came in and we went up, we, we up a we giant star. We do not star. know that. And also, that whole thing is four years from now. The Empire doesn't fall, I'm going by Legends canon here, for like another 20 years. Hmm. So maybe, he'll at least live to, maybe he'll at least live to see the Death Star blow up. Guess what? According to the Disney canon, it only takes a year for the Galactic Empire to fully collapse after Palpatine's death. That's yeah, the news gotta, news gotta work fast. Yeah, two news words for that. Fuck and off. Everybody got a memo in their pager. They woke up in the morning, got their coffee, cereal, got his cereal. They look at the news. Palpatine dead! <laughs> Palpatine dead. And also, we were the bad guys the whole time. Sorry, dog. Also, you're all fired because there's technically no one to hire you. <laughs> I mean, funnily enough, that actively was, uh... Palpatine did have a group of people where he told, Hey, if I ever die, fucking burn this shit to the ground. What is an empire if it... What is an empire if it cannot protect its emperor? Ah. But, sir... I don't know. My family lives in the empire. I I don't know. I don't know, motherfucker. A government that can help, you know, stabilize a large region, such as the galaxy. (laughs) You know, something that is... Something that is for the tools of the people and not for the tools I of this wrinkly. I don't care about stability. The, and, and I care about me. Wrinkly ball sack with lightning powers? Yeah, I, I know. Uh, oh my god. Hello, Jameson. Is your soup garden cold? Don't worry, let me handle that for you. Unlimited power! <laughs> 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 is the the guy dies because the lightning hits him. <laughs> Oh! <laughs> oh. just looks and goes, ah, oh well, ooh, some soup. <laughs> not too hot, not too cold. Just right. You would have made a very good electrician. <laughs> he could have done so much good, but he's a Sith, and he believes that he must be evil because he's a Sith, the fucking dumbass. The point is, Luthen very much then acts both in terms of it also his character design in this very moment feels remarkably similar to what we kind of understand Sheev Emperor Palpatine just this force with a lot of connections haha <laughs> funny joke and using people and situations for a vision and a game that we don't truly understand ourselves and he understands of course because apparently he wrote an equation 15 years ago uh, I would never listen to the advice of uh was that 12 year old thomas <laughs> that man that uh, that young boy did not have ideas that i particularly want to execute upon but you know luthan's a different man i think 11 year old has some things going right that's I, I like listening to the younger child but not everything the younger child has to say is a complete and informed opinion especially about something like galactic politics but here we are starting alien Unfortunately, our informant is shocked and horrified by all of the news, not because of how impactful Luthen's speech was, but because of the realization through the last five minutes of Luthen talking to him 
I'm never gonna leave, am I? He's My he literally is like, not only is this a pretty good speech, but he's really con he's really convinced he's of everything he's saying. I'm never he's going cooking. home. Right, he's and the, cooking and I'm eating. The last line that he has with the informant is, you'll stay with me, Lottie. I need all the heroes I can get. And if and that isn't a statement that would make him. you fucking as yep. someone who would... He, he's going to go home to his wife, have the talk with Luth and go. And he's just going to like not respond not and hang his hat up on the little coat rack. And she's going to poke her head out from the kitchen and be like, that bad, huh? Yep. You quit, didn't you? No. Daddy, but daddy. Daddy, daddy. You said you're going to be there for my birthday. When is your birthday, young one? Tomorrow. I got I got work tomorrow. But you promised. I, I'll come home I as did. soon as I can. But you made promises, Papa. And That's now right. I'm promising I, I'll come home as early as I can. I got it. I got it. Yes, you're right, my child. I did make promises. <laughs> I hate it. This, uh... This is part of a greater thing that Luthen involves himself in for the rest of the series, as Kaiser's already pointed out. Luthen wants Andor dead. He wants a lot of loose ends gone. Luthen is the kind of person, when starting the flames of rebellion, needs to have pretty much full control over every single bit of rebellious activity that happens, or at least know of rebellious activity happening when it comes to people like Shaw that he regularly. So, to that end, to find Andor, they don't know where he is. Um, but they do know that he's from Ferex. That's where he met the man. And that his mama's still around. But not for long. He sends one of the people that Cassian did the Aldani heist. The medic lady. The medic lady. And sent her to scout out the area, ingratiate herself into the greater society for good that's worth. And stalk out the place to pretty much keep an eye on if or when Andor decides to come home to Mama. This Which is of course, also what the Empire is doing, right? And Empire. so now there's now there's not one, not two, but three interested parties, all on Ferex right now for one Cassie and Andor. Mm -hmm. Not great. Uh, to make things a little bit worse. There are, uh, there's a little bit of interplay that happens with this one scout, I'll call her, uh, because I can't remember her name right now, that was sent by Luthen. And then also, that, if you remember from the All Dying Heist mission, this young medic lady was, I'll call it romantically involved, for lack of better terms, with Vex. Or is Bell. it part of her? Vel. Vel. With Vel. Bell was the leader of that Aldini heist mission, and then more notably, we get to learn that she is actually the cousin. I believe cousin, mm -hmm. yes, cousin. She is the cousin of our girl Mamatha over in Coruscant. Dun, dun, so she is a rich white woman. Uh, not surprising, because you know, you know, rebellion comes in all shapes and sizes. Her hair but did I look only... a little rich to me. <laughs> but I only bring this up so that we can transition over into what Mamatha's up to. Oh. As as Vel is loosely tied into the ongoings of uh, Mamatha as part of this I did, I did kind of want to finish up Luth and stuff. I can do it oh, quickly. Wait, um, Essentially, when he yeah. finds out about the, the pilot, he does 
end up going back to Saul oh, Guerrero. Yeah, and when he goes back to Saul, he's like, Saul is like, tell him I'll go. I want all of the things you promised, but I'm going. And it's just like, I don't know if that's a good idea. Why not? You were so convinced. And then he's trying not to give away that he knows you know, what's going to happen. And he you know, has not you know. told the other rebel leader. And that's because of the fact that he wants to make Because sh- if anybody finds out that they know, they're going to know that there is a mole within the ISB agency. That's right. And so, what ends up happening is, he does end up blurting it out to Saw. And Saw gets very angry about this. Understandably so. Yeah, to the point that he, like, Luther has to pull a gun on Saw. Because Saw is like, you have spies everywhere. Who is the spy in here? Is it you? Is it me? Am I your spy? It's like, (laughs) it's... It's this, <laughs> it's this Sean right here. And it's just like, it's, you would betray me? Tony. And that guy was like, it's no, a no, filthy no, lie. Hey, wait, Sean, 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 don't just listen to the first person he was out. I love you, Sean, it ain't me. He li- that, they that, pulled that guy's gun. That's, that's the guy who's got his steals. He literally walks up to Sean, basically saying, that. I was like, it would never be me. I love you, brother. And then he pulls his gun like, oh my God. And then he goes like, Look to the guy, you betrayed me. He has my gun. You gave him your gun. <laughs> Stop. You Whitaker. <laughs> Whitaker. <laughs> you can't say my real name. <laughs> um, but yeah, he gets him to calm down. Somehow putting a gun to his head calms him down. And he just like. I'm oh, always yeah. the most calm when threatened. Oh, and I guess. It gets to the point that I was like. Fine, I won't go. We'll call this the price of war. Yeah. Also, no, that's not my best Forrest Whitaker impression. It's just the best you're getting in this podcast. Oh, okay. It was great. It was the great. power of the Black Panther. The power of the Rebellion has been stripped away from this man. True. <laughs> John, of course, with the gun to his head, had to be convinced. Uh, through more silver-tongued Luthan action... Yes, I did mean it that way. That, yeah, you need the ISB to be uh, fat and lazy, much like they were at the beginning of the series before Andor decided to do anything outside of thievery. And we don't want them on uh, their toes. Right. And of course, the, much of this is, uh, you may be familiar with this in other franchises and other sorts of plots that involve the rebellion against the powered establishment. It's always a game of information and a game of psychology. You need your enemy in a predictable and exploitable state. And usually when it comes to the large power in these kinds of struggles, need them to do what they've always been doing because that's how you've already learned to work around. The moment that they become alert, the moment that they start doing audits, the moment they start screening for them, that's when they get to leverage all of their powers to actually finding things that could harm them in the future or even immediately. And nobody wants that if you're a rebellion. This also uh, becomes a very interesting bedrock for like a character personal moral Turing test because the more aggressive and more passionate, I'll call them, and idealistic uh, rebels, much like Shaw and even in a way soon to be Cassidy and Andor, you'll want things done 
immediately. You want to be, leverage the sort of emotional passion that you have at any given time, much like what we do in our own American society, to go out and immediately try to enact that change. But then there's other people like Luthen, who understand, even at the cost of their own sanity and their own morals, that there needs to be a systematic deconstruction of the systematic oppression. You can't just blow it all up like you could in fucking uh, uh, Fight Club. Spoiler, where I was not supposed to talk about Fight Club, but I'm also not a part of Fight Club, so I'm gonna talk about Fight Club. But then <laughs> I'm gonna get blown up, so it's fine. The funny part like about in Fight Club, they literally blew up all the towers that had all your credit card the- records. Well, and I was like, I don't. <laughs> We've been spoiling everything since we started this. <laughs> but with the title isn't Fight Club. True. I'm okay. sorry, y'all. If you ain't seen uh, Fight Club already, you ain't going to watch it, so I ain't worried about it. Ouch. I feel uh, bad for all of the ADHD people who called out like that. I feel bad for all of the six-year-olds who haven't been allowed to watch yet. For some reason, <laughs> are allowed to watch this. We, we have enough Fight Club fanboys. We don't need any more. Uh, I am sorry, six-year-olds. I am sorry, six-year-olds. I'm not. You're kids. You'll get over it. Your parents downloaded this podcast because they just did not know what to do with you. Educational they content. Needed you, they needed you to sit down for a couple of hours while they, you know, try to get some naps. Because, of course, taking care of a human being is tough. It is not your fault. Your parents are weak. But welcome. Glad you're here. Andor is cool. I'm glad you're watching it. If you're also somehow also allowed access to your Disney Plus. Anyway. But, um... Yeah, I do like the fact that Luther is willing to do the very get your hands dirty things because you know it is hard work. I'm I want to be honest. If I was ever in these situations, I would have to do the same exact thing. Hmm? I like, know I, was, I couldn't was, be a I couldn't be a you, good person. You would be holding my gun to you would be holding the gun to my head. I in a lot of ways would be Shaw. I'd want things done. When we can get them done, uh, hopefully relying on collaboration, but often expecting that people in our line of work are not as collaborative as I would want them to be. Yeah, but this is so weird knowing that, you know, in any type of apocalypse situation, I'm someone's villain. Yeah. 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 All right. And I'm your I am one of those assholes <laughs> who will straight up take over town. Check it, check it, check it. This is going to work in the zombie apocalypse. Kaiser, and I'm your cereal. Listen, Thanks. I'm dying in the third <laughs> act. We know this. No, because, like, I'm I'm be honest. I'm one of those people who just kill Rick Grimes immediately. Yeah. Like, if anything, Would you kill uh, Glenn? Look, here's uh, the thing. You do give me some Negan vibes. Would you look, kill Glenn? Look. Yes, but here's the thing. It would have been just straight up like, oh, look, we have them all here tied up. Woo, y'all did a number. Six of you killed 32 of my men? (laughs) Holy shit. Execute each of them quickly. (laughs) Before they have a chance to realize that they can get out of this because they're protagonists. That's right. Killed them all. Like, look, 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 look. I'm be honest. A long time ago. When the movie Taken came out, this is this is how you can tell what type of villain I am. If I was the person who picked up that phone and that father on the other end was like, if you put my daughter back, I will not come after you. I will forget this ever happened and you can go on about your day. 
But if you don't, I will find you and I will kill you. Put it back. <laughs> the man has this man has too much balls. I don't want to risk it. Put it back. All right, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of mess. Like I don't Hopefully. know if he can. I just don't want to take the risk because it's not needed. Put it back. Right. We can take the other one. You want to know who I feel bad for? I feel bad for the hostess on the plane who had to walk by Liam Neeson for that entire flight playing on repeat good luck because <laughs> that man was sitting there with his tape recorder just, good luck good luck good luck but yeah back to Star Wars back to Star Wars um everything him. Uh, almost. He does take off after a second video assault, and he does get word that Andor's mother is dead, and he's probably gonna be on Ferrix. And so he goes, I'm going there. And his little assistant is like, they're talking in code the entire time, and it's really fucking nice. It's a crowded market. All you'll do is complicate things. That's true. You're gonna oversaturate the bidding area. And he's just like, I don't fuck, I'm going. Blah! Then he goes. <laughs> that's, that's a quote. I'm looking at the line right now. He goes, blah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is the end of his stuff. So now we can move on to Mommy Mothma. Don't worry. Uh... Andor will come up eventually. His thing is very isolated. Andor will return. I mean, we're literally talking about how everyone is going to Ferex to find Andor. So yeah, we'll probably get back to Andor. Yeah, but it's just, you know, like, we're we're we'll, breaking we'll down get, everyone else because his we'll thing is long and isolated. Right. Yeah. We'll get there when we're good and ready. Don't worry. We're only an hour and a half into it. If we haven't touched on Andor in the review of Andor. Because <laughs> that's what they like to do with our modern stories. They like to make the title the main character and then tell us everything but the main character sometimes. Mom Martha is uh, sweating. Last we left hard. off, after we left off in the first, in the beginning half, Mamothma is of course a member of the Imperial Senate, a member of the Nine Imperial Senate, right? Is it just the Senate? But it's the Imperial Senate, Senate, the Senate, the Galactic Senate. Right. It's the Senate. The it's Emperor the Senate. Senate. She's a part of the government. She, you know, she's a part of our judiciary. She's a consenting she's member of, of the legis- government. She is our. She's a part of our legislation here in the galaxy, far, far away. And of course, a part of the rebellion. She's working with Luthen uh, to sow the seeds of rebellion and possibly take down Sheev, that wrinkly ballsack. But the problem is, thanks to a new, uh, a rekindled partnership with her old friend, I believe her name is Tab, he gets to inform her that, yo, there's a large amount of money missing from your ledger from your account and when audits come around they're going to look at this and go yo what's up mom mothma you can't obviously this was long ago and not and of course not as fixable as all of the deposits and donations that you make from all of your outreach programs so you're going to need something to do mom mothma is of course informed by this shaken up by the prospect of getting outed from a skill-based banking issue and tab does provide a solution one that she does not like mm-hmm. there is a very popular uh wrong word infamous there we go 
there's a very infamous criminal <laughs> of the criminal underworld that could provide the money that Mom Mothma needs. But Mom Mothma does not want anything to do with this man. She may be a rebel, but she's not a criminal. I don't know how much of a criminal he is, but he is a very shady character. True. The, in his the, practice. Right. The very description of what the very yes, the very description of what he does is actually left up for us to guess. Both ta- both in this conversation between Tabitha and Mothma, there's no actual description about what he does. And the only piece of descriptive uh the only piece of description that Mon Mothma provides herself is that she thinks of him as a thug. Now, here's the thing. God, you said something, and I had a hard disagreement. I say what you said like three points ago. That I loved you. you I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding that I love you, but His I'm His name is Tay. Tay, thank you. I couldn't remember. Is that the particular correction or the idea of the situation that I'm laying out? Um, uh, take Colma. And essentially what this guy does is he's not a criminal. She's not trying to get money from him. She is trying to maneuver her money without it being suspicious. She's got the dough. The dough just needs to get from point A to point B without anyone seeing it. Ah, Kind of like what billionaires do during tax season. You fucking criminals. There's not a single billionaire that is not that is not a criminal. Oh, right. Human rights violations galore. Fucking no billionaires here. Increasing my taxes and simultaneously doing a bunch of fucking underhanded bullshit to where you don't pay any taxes. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck and you. Get no love from the poor. Oh. I don't even think I could legally be described as poor and I fucking hate you. Well, you're the middle class. They don't like you anyway. I'm lower middle class, but still middle class. You're a tax bracket above me, which is, at that point, you know, everybody seems rich. I still hate billionaires. (laughs) Listen, if I made a billion dollars, I'd pay my taxes. Never thought, never thought I'd, uh, never thought I'd be hating billionaires with the lower middle class. How about with a friend? (laughs) (laughs) Listen. It's literally known as the 1%. We can all hate the 1%. There's 99% of us. I think we could take them and their money. That's right. Also, just to to end with um, my Martha, she had a whole... She had this whole conversation kind of in a public party, so they had the talking code. Yes, and I think one of the more amusing things that was said is Tay actually is the first one to say it, but they she's kind of like feeling out the waters. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm a little worried that my politics have gotten a little bit too extreme for your tastes. And it's very clearly code, I'm into some rebel shit. <laughs> I don't like this empire. And Mon Mothma goes into another really good speech, but this one is much closer to the start in episode seven. And she's like, yes, I'm a a do-good, sometimes indecisive senator who's just trying to do the right thing. Uh, And I viewed as a bit irrational. 
They think I'm and just annoying, but they don't know the truth. If they, I am really annoying. It, it's a lie. There's the a one moth where people think they know it's a lie. It's a projection. I'm Mommy Mothma, a front. True. <laughs> and, like, they're saying this in the middle of a party, and I find Tay's, like, facial expression was funny. I show you the stone in my hand, you miss the knife at your throat. Where's this is going, one, man? That is one thing for about that line in particular. That is pre, um, that pre, that has the prerequisite that she says, this is something that I learned from Palpatine. Going back to what we, you know, analyzed about Luthen and the idea of having to use the tools of the oppressor to dismantle the operation. But yeah, Mon Mothma is a senator who has been attempting to run the Empire's fade the entire time and trying to get to where they don't even notice. And she's been doing a decent job. Yeah. yeah pretty good. Um, She proceeds to explain, like, listen, every single thing I am doing, my driver's an ISB plant and reports directly to someone, I don't know. They know they watch me. I know they watch me. But as long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation, there's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? Raising money. I need to access my family accounts. Until recently, I was able to dip in and out of my family fortune without concern. That's changed. I need help. Raising yeah, money, for, money what? for what? I'm a former Chandrelin charitable organization. Blah, blah, blah. It'll involve visits here at Coruscant. I want you to be the chairman. Uh. Again, they talk very quickly, and there's a reason I'm not a voice actor. because I'm not very good at reading lines. Basically, he's telling him, I need you to help me with this. Yeah. I'm trying to do shady stuff. And he gets to the point where he's like, you haven't answered my question. And her response is, and I won't. That's right. Because then, just like she, just like what Tay tried to do, you don't openly say, I'm a rebel. And then she does the gritty and just exits camera stage left. Her husband shows up and everything. Her husband shows up and she just tells him, smile. <laughs> I can't trust him either. Which is a sad thing to say. I can't trust my husband. He's an idiot. Yeah. And or plants. Like, oh, that's that's the person. Cab driver's a plant. My husband's her, an idiot. Cab driver's her, a cat. Her husband's an idiot. I actually her feel like the daughter's the plant. Worse. Yeah, I feel like the mm. daughter's the actual plant. She's so I'm just like, I look, I look at her sometimes and I'm like, what did she do to you? I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, um, I'm not gonna belittle any trauma or uh, any trauma you might have, young one. But it feels like you're paid with Mama Mothma. Like, it's she's, very unjustified. Like, she's so much of a rebel, she wants to go to Sunday school. It's like, That's oh, my parents joke. are, my parents are tradition, my parents are untraditionalist heathens. I'm going to church. That that's not even a joke. That's literally what's happening. Val's <laughs> like, why do you make her do that? I don't. Oh, how do you let your husband? He doesn't. She this chose is all this. her. Apparently is a new trend, but but everyone hated it. Apparently, uh, not. apparently not here when they're away from the cult when they're away from home. Crazy. 
It seems stronger here than it did back at the home. Uh, that's wild. I believe that's how, uh, <laughs> that's how America was founded. Send the religious nuts over there. Look where we're, look where we <laughs> But, um... Yes. Go. So, so, after that, the yes. friend, Tay, decides to help out Mom Mothma by getting a another friend involved the thug that was just recently mentioned I'm trying to I'm gonna go look up this name yes thank you uh what's very interesting of course uh help me remind me what's mama's um nationality or culture what is it called again I Coruscantian I think Coruscant is the no, the imperialist tub town, but I think she's from a particular planet and particular culture that they use by name. It's just hard to remember what exactly it was. I do not recall. Are you talking about because of the decor? That they're not allowed. Not to because change. of the decor, but because of a uh, particular thing that Mamothma Ah, Shalandrian. Or uh, Chan name is. His name is Davo. Thank you. So what we see, so what we already joked about and talked about in the last series was Mamathma's home life in comparison to the rebel activity that she's harboring and also the day job as a part of the Senate. Uh, There's a lot of interesting home uh, family politics stuff, but what's more important is that is. Mamathma, despite any grievances the daughter gives us the audience and shows in terms of act of hostility towards her mother, Mamathma seems to love her daughter, contrary to what the literally some of the very first lines the daughter said about her relationship with her mother. But uh, we do get to see something very, very sad take place when Davos, uh, I'll say worms his way, but was cordially invited to the Mothma home. Davos, uh, with Mothma and with Tay in the, uh, in, in the home, and as they were sitting trying to discuss the terms of, well, what Mothma needs from Davos, as well as what price he is asking for. Initially, Davos plays the long game, where he says, no, 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 no. No price attached. I do, do this as free. a do it do this as a kindness as a courtesy for free. And Mon Mothma, being of a sound judgment, goes absolutely fucking not. Name your goddamn price, you no snake price. oil salesman. I just want one thing, and to come when back being, when being kind of quote unquote pressured. Yes, Davos claims that his price is to be reinvited to the Mothma home with his son Davos. Is from the same homeworld as my Mothma from Chalandria, and there's various Chalandrian customs. One importantly that helps set up arranged marriages between Chalandrian uh, suitors. My Mothma immediately picked up on what that meant to just invite the child of Davos to the home, and initially is absolutely against it asks for literally any other price 
But Davos playing. I'm not even meet. asking for a proposal. Just the right. meeting. Just the meet. It it's the it's the the slyness of it all, of course. And this is probably a little bit of what my moth hated about this guy so much. Because it seems like uh, every every Talandrian we've met so far is silver tongued, whether it be to stab you in the neck with it or to uh, coax you into unfortunate political situations. <laughs> This unfortunately does not get a resolution during the events of this show. Season so it's two, very baby. much right. It's very much something that can either happen in the season two or can be picked up in another property, possibly following Mon Mothma adventures. Yes. We just go right from Andor to Mothma. Yeah, I'm with it. Some right. Game of Thrones level ass politics. Uh, and I'm this, here for there it. is a and much like what we haven't, um, much like what we have seen inklings of in the early episodes, this stuff with Mamakma in particular is heavy on the political drama. Heavy. Uh, heavy. Now, as a person, that guy at a restaurant. <laughs> now, as a person who has not watched every single piece of Star Wars content ever, I can only say from my experience that this is some of the harder focused political drama that I've seen from Star Wars in recent. Many, many of the Star Wars products from like the recent line of movies, be it the trilogy or even Rogue One itself, focuses a little bit more on the heist aspects or the action aspects of it all. Not necessarily political drama, where there's not yes. much estate except for, well, the conflict between traditionalist values and basic moral decency that we see here in this scene. We're used to D&D &D adventures. Not uh, political adventures. <laughs> you, yeah, we're, you, you're used to D and D adventures, not text-based campaigns. <laughs> used to be able to roll the shoot the roll the shoot an arrow at the barkeep, not uh, order a drink and just enjoy yourself. Roll for your free. Which is uh fun fun. There is a song of ice and fire tabletop RPG where oh. it is both political and um action but like you literally can have combat with words there's literally talk combat oh my where you we have walk, to we talk with combat social yep, combat is a form of combat yeah it requires dice rolls you have to talk people down try to be more convincing things like that i'm like that's hilarious cool. i love it yeah um not many of us especially those who play dnd or I could be great at it, but it's Fucking good practice. Murder hobos. Because in my of... recent DD campaign, we had murder hobos, and I was the social combat character who bailed them out of everything. I had a one in intelligence and charisma, and I still managed to talk us out of getting arrested after we blew up the building. <laughs> I don't even think a five in it, and you rolling a nat like I, I rolled rolling nat twenties. I row. would, I would. <laughs> Still, like, did you convince them that you didn't do it, or was it more like, oh no, we we convinced them it, it was a uh, an accident that the people who operated the building uh, caused? Wow. Officer, Thanks. officer, we didn't blow up this building. It was it was, it was, it was the, building were, the building was on the precipice of blowing up as we entered the scene. There was a gas leak, and apparently someone at the gas company just messed up, officer. And because my intellect, because my scores were so low, I had to do all of that in sign language. Bruh. 
and Kratos. Oh my god, you're out here doing the... What the, is... You're out here doing Naruto hand signs, and they're just mesmerized by your <laughs> by your hand movement. They'll just nod to anything that you, do you sign. Yes. Anyways, back to Annie Dory. Yes. Uh, and so that ends up becoming the one of the cruxes of uh, what goes on here that helps um, what effectively world builds. The, this, I would like to take this one moment to talk about something we mentioned the last 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 uh wham about andor covering episodes one to three and four to six there was at least one um instance of the show using the planets and inhabitants and their culture as a important world building tool but then also plot device to help set up the tension back on aldani the donnies as the group of natives are known as they had a uh, festival a, a sightseeing ritual that they would take every three years they would go to a particular valley known as the eye and witness a meteor shower that would happen there that was of course the prime event the smoke screen as it were to allow andor and the rebels at the time to conduct their heist and try to steal everything from imperial vault that was on the uh, on the planet and so th this show takes a lot of time to utilize even here with this mon mothma scene or mon mothma situation various aspects of the culture that they, they world built of i say they i'm pretty sure a good number of this was also george lucas who already thought a lot of things but utilizing that world building these sort of setups to make very believable scenarios even if we ourselves can't necessarily experience them uh, the concept of the traditionalist the Shalandrian values were already things talked about in previous episodes when other characters uh, during parties and such were speaking to Mon Mothma. So this sort of um, resolution to that conflict of how does Mon Mothma and the Davos conversation go seems very believable and a very impressive twist because it's built off of something that we knew about but we didn't expect was actually going to be relevant up until this point always a very effective thing to use and that is the best thing you can ever do for your characters is make them effective that is the only one of the <laughs> only ways what to make a crazy? character good uh so just looking up the actress of mon mothma yeah. uh, i'm gonna say this right genevieve riley mm-hmm She's the voice actress for Moira. She's the one who be yelling. She's the one who be beholding us all the time. Behold, yeah. Hey, you know. Moira's got it going on. Yeah. Hey, now. I know that. Interesting news. Oh. Now, let's see. I'm pretty sure we have touched on. Uh, a little bit of Andor. We've touched on Serial. We've touched on Deidre. Not completely, but Deidre's involved around here somewhere. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Bix, but Bix is currently as uh, this very. He's hanging out with Deidre. Did we get right. done talking hanging about out, 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've talked a little bit of everything about Miss Ma- Mothma. Okay. I just stated that she's uh, the voice actress for Moira from Overwatch. I did get my headphones on right as you mentioned that. Alright, you know. That is pretty good. I apologize I kinda... for my sudden disappearance. I kind of want to... Gentlemen, help me. I, um, my, my brain is ecto-sketching. Act, act, uh, Moira in a Mom Mothma outfit, and it's, it's not bad. It's, uh, it's a honestly, I'd prefer Mom Mothma in a Moira outfit. That too. That too. <laughs> let me shake the extra sketch and let me rebuild it. Oh yeah, yeah, this is coming along very nicely. Um, but I would have to say then, I believe it's time that we get on to the titular character of Andor. <laughs> Where in the galaxy is Cassian and Dor prison. in a prison? He's Still in prison. Up. So he's in pr- prison, and it's terrible. He shouldn't have committed that crime. So yeah, he shouldn't, have shouldn't have been a part of it. He gets sent to like he's put on this little thing where it's just like next, fucking get on shuttle four. Dave, get on shuttle three. And they're just getting, like, they're not told where they're going. He's just like, help! What is happening? No help. There All confusion. No. Unfortunately, he is not the only one lost and confused. No. And eventually, they all get on the shuttle and they're taken to the weird prison. Prison? Not prison. Prison in the middle oh. of a weird little lake. And as mentioned, it's just like, oh, look at this place. And when they first come out, we all were like, these motherfuckers don't have shoes. They took their shoes. I was so about my shoes for a good couple episodes. Yeah. Uh, but there's a reason for that. Because um, they walk onto the floor, and there's only three guards and creatures. Like, you'll be surprised by the low number of guards and the laxed attitude here. And allow me to show you why, because we have a minimally invasive technique enforcement techniques. Anyway, zap, zap, and then the floor electrocutes all of them, and it like completely like immobilizes them and causes them to fall to the ground. It worked. Yes, it is revealed that the floor was set to level one. Out of three. The floor is everywhere. The floor isn't everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that was level one of three. Our floors are special steel. And you're... Be productive on your land. You needn't need to be reminded of how the floor is powerful. That's not exactly what he said, but it's close enough. So he's taken in... And with all the others. He's taken in with all the others, but then they all get separated. And he is the only one that gets added to this floor. It is floor Lucky five. Him. Five two B. Sorry, five two D. New man on the floor. He there is He kind of walks in and he just sees a bunch of people working. And he walks out onto an elevator, which lowers, but there's absolutely, like, no, 
no stairs, no guard, no way to get up other than this elevator, which he goes down with a guard, he is kicked off, and then it goes right back up. Get so to get off. Level five, room two. The D is for day shift. Oh, you know what the D stands for. Don't fucking lie. <laughs> What's the five two stand for? That's the number. Level five, that's the room two. Those are the dimensions. Seven levels of factory, seven rooms per level, seven tables per room, and seven men at each table. Really like you know. And this is where we're being introduced to Gollum. It's Andy Serkis, and he's a character of Keto, uh, Keto Lord. Lord Snoke? What are you doing here? Aren't you in the future? <laughs> Did Andy yeah. Serkis play Lord Snoke? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Look, if it's CGI, Look, I it's just Andy Serkis. Immediate life point damage taken with that information. <laughs> He's the 5-2-D manager. The 49 men in the room answer to him. What's his name? Keith. By the way, it's his fake name. Keith. Chief Keith. Keith. I'm Keith. They only pick up... The guards only come down to pick up the dead and to bring up the replacements. On pro... Off pro off program on program so you gotta do this thing it's 12 hour shift productivity is encouraged evaluation is constant you've been assigned to table 5 which is the part that's behind we had that crusty old man there that thing looks like dark So he asks him if he can. He tells him he's at table five. Asks him if he can read. Explains that they're at the bottom. And I actually really like the fact that he go uh, as he's going through this. He pauses and goes, "What table number are you?" He's literally testing him as he goes to make sure. Last place, that's you. Sorry, I'm looking back through the dialogue. There, it, the introduction is the, Andy Circus basically is in the rundown, like a very strict manager, basically saying your table is competing against all the other tables in this room. This room is competing with all the other rooms on the level, and the level is competing with all of the other levels. We want to be in the top three levels. You're going to want to do that. If you get sick, injured, anything, you come talk to me. Um, if you're losing hope, keep your, uh, losing hope, your mind, keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. I have 249 days left of my sentence, and I have a direct hand on how this floor is run. Not even a year. Don't ever slow up my line. Table five. Man, Andy Circus really values getting out of jail. Yes. 
That's his whole goal. I wonder what his crime was. Did he accidentally sneeze on a stormtrooper? I bet he looked at a stormtrooper wrong. And the short trooper was like, defamation of character. Send him away. Excuse yeah. me, sir. Do you know the time? Are you trying to get information out of me, rebel? So I'm gonna Are be you honest. Trying to find out about it. I will never remember everyone's name because it basically never comes up. Um, but I will go through them all. At uh, Lily gets there, is like, yeah, we've been waiting for you. What do we call you, Keith? I'm Jebek. Welcome, Jimbok. Zal. Taga. Olaf. Old man. And Ham. And Melshi. Remember Melshi. We'll be forced to hang out with Melshi. God dang it, Melshi. God dang it, boy. And this is where you learn that they, as a team of seven, have to constantly build the same device over and over again, racing against the other people within this room. Mm -hmm. So the other tables. And let me tell you, this seems like it's a disadvantage table. Like, it looks like it's just built to lose. No offense, Olaf. Yeah. Absolutely built to lose. Like, also, <laughs> we learn what happens if you lose. It's not fun. I need you guys to talk. I'm trying to get uh, everything together because there's a lot that happens here. It's like, it's very, very quick. Right. And if I may, yeah, if I may, to save you the trouble of having to give us the play-by-play -play of what literally will take place over five episodes, let's set up a little more of the scene. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. There's a lot that happens. And here's the thing. Yeah. This is one of the brilliant things about the show. A whole lot happens in a very quick period of time. But it's a yeah. whole lot of information, and they present it in a way that is easily digestible. You see the machine. You see how basically there are these little arms that are on it that you have to crank into place. There's a little thing you slip in. Then it you rotate it. It Another section comes up. You get the arms into that one as well. Same thing. It's just a repetitive motion with this. It's not a very... very in the drill. Uh, yes. Hands clear. What's important here is for Cassian... One, he has been much like many a great story. He's a character that's just dropped off in the situation with no rhyme or reason behind everything that happened to get him there. He's now stuck here, though. That's the unfortunate part. Mm -hmm. He has to deal with Andy Circus, who seems to be a sort of a who seems to have a stick up his ass, and unfortunately, he has to pick up the uh, almost intuitively, but also a little bit guided. He has to pick up the pace on what everybody needs to do. There's a strict policy in order to keep these prisoners in line in terms of this productivity were the lowest performing group of seven which unfortunately means cassian's group in this room will get shocked by the electric floors and by i believe devices on their uh, on their person right yes yeah. so well there's no device on their person it's only the floors so they will get shocked yes um, that's the way that it by, works if you are the, the lowest productive table you get shocked and there's a little in spot this... in the center of the room that you can stand on. 
And you he get nothing not for he, first place. Yeah, no, you, no, no, put, you do. Yeah, it's not sure. first place gets flavor in their food. Oh, flavor in their food, yo. Something, you know, what, um, what a reward. <laughs> something well crafted about this is that because of all the repetitive motions, it's easy to just like get into the groove with it. Because yeah. a lot of times when they be like on program, I would also just mimic like, ooh, I don't want to be electrocuted. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just playing along with it. I'm honestly, now, I think the conditioning just got to you. I'll be honest. I think that's something that was happening there. Yes, there was a lot of things happening. But I think I also was just getting sucked back into Andor again. Because it's a very compelling show. Of a guy thrown <laughs> in prison and I'm sitting here like, I'm entertained. <laughs> My ass is sitting here reading okay. the subtitles. I can barely right. keep up with those motherfuckers because I'm dyslexic as hell. Right, much like much like the Shawshank Redemption, you know, it it is, uh, it, it is about prison. It is about the prison life that, yes. of course, our character is a part of, and how, just how fucking terrible it is. Yes, unappealing it is. I, as a important to me side note, I had a, I'll call it a meltdown, against my three co-hosts here because they looked at the beds. In this place, <laughs> built into the wall, bed that had a tray. This is not the important part that I have my disagreement with them. But had a tray that was both the toilet, your plates, and various other. I like, the water tray was not stuff. your toilet. It it was something in the wall that was a catch-all for what you would normally see in a prison cell and a lunchroom, and then there was the bed that was built, as I said, into wall cubbies. And, of course, there's a way for a person to get to the top bunk and a way for a person to just exist on the bottom bunk. And these motherfuckers were like, you know, these beds aren't that bad. They look may cozy I, as may hell. May I remind these gentlemen that this is prison? Look, This is not a healing ergonomic design. Change it to a five-star hotel. Standards. I still sleep in it. If this was a five-star hotel, I'd burn capitalism. <laughs> that looked comfy as hell. I wanted that. For context, at least two of these three motherfuckers have lived in situations worse than prison, which is something to say about our society in general. We lived in the hood. So I, so I understood hey. why they looked at that and was like, oh, that's markedly hey, better than what I How long do we count it as lived in situations worse than this? Because my ass slept in the fucking woods. Oh, correction. All three of my co-hosts have been in situations <laughs> I'm like, my ass didn't even have a tent. I'm just, I, I literally at one point slept with my three, head on a log while in full All kit. three of my co-hosts have been, have, <laughs> have been in the bottom rung of society. And <laughs> I feel for them. I sympathize with it where their perspective so is funny. coming from. That, wow, they look at that and they go, wow, that's better than what I've experienced. And here I am going, but you deserve better, damn it! <laughs> Well, it's like, got a nice sitting is... area right there, then the bed. You can have a TV the in there, too. Absolutely. Here's the best part. None of that's in there. You're daydreaming. Everything that you acknowledge that should be better than what you actually saw. What do you mean I'm daydreaming? I'm literally looking at a little sitting area and then the bed off in the corner. See, and... see, the only thing is this. We didn't add the caveat of we would love for this to be ours outside of prisons with a couple of add-ons. <laughs> Uh, like so much extra space in my room. My bed was up, all this. You chat and those listening to the vods and decide whether for yourself that uh, Look these these prisons, uh, these prisons, the bedroom setups that you see in Andor are for you and are for human beings. I don't believe they are. 
They are definitely for me. I would <laughs> love that. Uh, what's important here is that every single facet of their lives, much like actual prisoners, are indeed controlled. They work a strict 12-hour schedule. Um, there's a day shift and a night shift, of course, for that reason. Uh, Andor is on the day shift, and so after his first 12 hours, we get to see him interacting in the bunk beds. Um, I don't think they take showers. Andy searches no, his have, character. They have showers. Uh, Andy searches yeah, his character, of course, like... is the one in charge of getting all of this rabble into bed, and more importantly, on the raised platforms that where all the bunks lay, because the literal floor itself, the hallway floor that connects all of their beds and bunks, is also electric floor. And as per um, online, as per, you know, ever-present uh, telegram, they're going to activate the floors the moment the sleeping period starts. If you're on the floor when it's active, good luck, Charlie. You die. Good luck, Charlie. They will not turn them off. You will just get and shot so, to death. Of course, that's the, that's the situation, and that's the cycle that we will, uh, that Cassian goes through for... A number of months, if I'm not mistaken, pretty much everything that was happening with all the other characters that we were talking about, this is his daily life. Wake up, work 12 hours, cranking cranks and making little cog things that we are relatively unex uh, re uh, so far unexplained about what the actual purpose behind this facility is. It's just the life after the shift goes to bed and uh, goes to sleep, wakes up, do the same thing, all the while always having to be on program hands up in a particular position always have to be mindful of the goddamn floors having to listen to Andy Circus go on and on about how shit of a performance his team is doing because I don't know Andy Circus just likes telling people that uh they're doing well uh, they're not doing so well well if they weren't doing bad he wouldn't of course we know Andy we know Andy we know Cassie he's not gonna take this sitting down he most certainly doesn't pretty much at the very moment um, we see him after a noticeable amount of time has passed and he's gotten himself used to the schedule. He's already trying to take a small piece of scrap metal that he um, takes from, uh, I believe it was like from within his bunk bed, opens up a panel that shows a lot of piping and wiring behind uh, nearby in his bed. And during breaks, if he can excuse himself for long enough, starts to sharpen one of the water main lines. And, of course, if you saw Shadow's Hank Redemption, you'd pretty much know exactly what he's trying to do, albeit not dig himself a hole. Meanwhile, though, there are other things that are going on within this prison that we learn about over the course of this time. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, very importantly, I believe, we learn a little bit more about it through those moments in between the day shift and night shift coming around. So that and... is where we learn a bit more about stuff that's going on in the facility. But there are a couple yeah. other things that we learn in this opening scene, actually. Such as, like, um, well, not opening scene, technically, it's like the second or third scene. For example, they don't get any news down here. Period. Like, they don't get yeah. a newspaper, they don't get a daily bulletin. They just know that something happened because all of their sentences got doubled recently. And that was due yeah. to what happened on Ferris. No, not Ferris. Uh, on Aldani. Aldani, yep. But... As they're talking about it and they're trying to get information, Cassie's like, I, I don't know what happened. And one of the guys comes like, doesn't matter. Don't look at how much time it says you have left. It's a fucking lie. You're here till they want you. Well, they're here till you don't want up. to. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Circus, Keto, literally, 
Omaguemo no Shinderus this motherfucker and grabs him and slams him against the wall. He's like, I said enough of that. It's not true, and you're gonna shut the fuck up about it. Shut the fuck up. Seeing uh, seeing a meltdown is pretty funny. Yeah, it it's a main point with Andy Circus and with that guy where where it's just like, don't fucking do it. <laughs> don't fucking complain. And then they turn on the floors, and everybody goes to sleep. And it's really important that people don't sleepwalk because that's how you die. They will just allow you to roll yourself right off onto the floor and mm -hmm. not care. And then we jump to 30 shifts in. That's a month, everybody. It is. <laughs> 30 days. Um, And everything is kind of a system at this point. Like, Andor is... <laughs> oh, right, that's how they shower. They literally get closed in a little fucking room, naked, in lines, in and shower. then they get sprayed. Yeah, it's crusty. You don't even oh. have to wash their legs for those, of course, who knows the horrors of people who don't wash their legs. Damn, Andor is just way more in shape than all these people. Because he's a rebel. He's uh, also a paid actor. Listen, I'm alright with it. Technically, all these people are paid actors, though. But not all of them are highly. Every uh, correct warning: all humans, droids, and everything in between were harmed in the making of Andor. Mm -hmm. The only paid actor is the only paid actors are Andy Serkis and Andor himself. But yeah, so we we get in on them doing the work, putting the hours, and they are. All moving very well, save for one, Mr. Ulaf, who's the old man. He's uh, he's not doing too hot. Yeah, he's uh, he's acting sluggish, losing his uh, he's losing his wherewithal in terms of you know what actually is about to happen. There, Kaiser's already explained it. When constructing these cogs, sometimes you need to raise your hands in unison to have the thing, I think, like, raise or rotate and do all sorts of manner of junk. Uh, it could be very dangerous. It's a work hazard. If everybody, if anybody knows what factory work is like, old man potentially could have gotten got in, during this process. He was not paying as much attention as he wants to or even can. Uh, but fortunately, the other characters do see him, do help urge him to keep his wits together, and he almost makes it through the shift. Oh, no, he makes it through the shift. He does? Yeah, he makes so it through a oh, whole geez. lot more shifts. This is just the beginning. Again, there are five episodes of him here. Everyone else is on these cool fucking adventures, and he's just like, meh. Watch it, watch uh, the old man deteriorate. This is where we get into... So, here's the thing about this section. Plot-wise, <laughs> honestly, not a lot, like, major overarching story happens here. Hmm. This section for Andor is a very well-written social commentary from the start of it, where it's just incorrect profiling, a incorrect arrest, a corrupt judicial system, 
that puts him in jail for far longer than he should be for the crimes he supposedly committed without having any type of accurate representation. And then they get to the prison and it basically just makes them a cog in a machine. That's all they are at this point. They no longer exist as people. They exist as cogs who exist to get work done. To the point that this scene happens. And I actually found this scene to be really well done. And what it is, is essentially they're all asleep and the floor between the bunks gets set to what I have to assume is the highest level. It gets set to level three while they're asleep. And someone gets out of their bed, stands at the edge, and then they jump on the floor, frying themselves. That kills them. And then the first response. Mm-hmm. We're going to be smelling that all night. Well, the first who was, was it? Who was, was it? Not it? mine. Vivo Table 3. He fell or jumped. Oh, man. Well, we'll be smelling him all night. Uh-huh. Wait, you said table three? That's my table. I mean, I'm pretty sure that it actively is what someone says. He was slipping. You could see it. I don't care, oh. man. You rail here at night. I got no sympathy. Shut up about it. You'll be shorthanded all day tomorrow. Yep. Think about that when you're getting fried. Yep. Enough. Let's quiet down. Level 5 grid distribution. You have 10 seconds to get in your sleepy platforms. And that's it. The corpse. Notice. There's only blame, complaints, just someone has died and people are like, ah, yeah, that guy was going to commit suicide. Ah, yeah, I'm going to be short-handed tomorrow. Ah, fuck, I got to smell it all night. Look, Kaiser. His problems is over. Ours keep going. <laughs> that, it's indicative of the it's indicative of the reality of the situation. They have been trained and socialized to think for themselves. A very common thing actively done to prisoners of the industrial prison complex mm-hmm. here in the US. I can't speak for the rest of the world, although I don't imagine it's better anywhere else anyway. It could be worse. We don't know. I heard, I heard it could be person. it could be this. Um, Why do people seem to? I I'm I don't want to say it's not. But everyone's always like, "Hey, yeah, the Swedes have a right." I'm like, I don't know if the Swedes have a right. I feel like the Swedes had it made. Like everybody sometimes says they are. I feel like everyone would be a bit more like Sweden. What? Why are we saying this like Sweden, especially in the context of a prison? Yeah, Swedish prisons. Roz mentioned Apparently Swedish prisons, and people are like, "Oh yeah, Sweden has the best education system. Oh yeah, Sweden has the best gun control laws," and it's just like. I mean, first off, that's incorrect about the education system. It should still be Finland. I, uh, I get it. Listen, not everything works for everybody. That's kind of the listen, point. right? I, I was just curious about like, different was there folks. was there actually anybody that actually said, "Oh yeah, this prison system is better than the other"? Yes, Ross, oh. right now. No, no, no. What yeah, I said I'm, was, I I'm told that. Who told mm, you that? The backtracking once again. Was it Google? I don't know anything about Swedish. It's, it's just I know you don't. Know. Yeah, that, to Google. I, I know you don't. 
Ooh, I need a person. I need a name for you. I don't remember. It was while I was scrolling uh, social media. This man was on TikTok again. It wasn't TikTok. It was before I started going on TikTok. Don't worry. I'm looking at Swedish. Wait a minute. This might actually be true. What the fuck is this? This is like my college dorm. Well, what prison is it? Is this I don't know. I typed in Swedish like... prison. Because, like, America also has, like, low-security, chill prisons where you play paddleball. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, it... I don't know, man. I, Kaiser sees exactly one prison. Oh, yeah, you know, Sweden, Sweden doesn't look that bad. Yeah, go to yeah, the right minute, prison. Wait a minute. Uh... It's going to be bright. What the fuck is this? Uh-huh. Let's let's take a look. Let's take a look at what you're looking at. Oh, they have plants inside. Fucking, they've got wood. Depressing ass white walls. Are you at least showing the um pokes? Yeah, it, it's yeah. on. It's on the stream. I'm. Listen, I typed in Swedish prisons. These were the pictures I was given. All of these look like my college dorm. Oh, schools are based off prison. Yo, they have a private bathroom? Yo, they have a <laughs> I love this thumbnail. Bathroom. Sweden versus USA. Just Zed and... Ah! Now, unfortunately, all of this talk of our real-world prison systems uh, means absolutely nothing when you're in Andor. Your... Uh, your... Conditioned. Literally, like Pav's law conditioning uh, to only value the productivity that they forced you to work uh, to work under in the first. Nothing about you matters outside of your ability to help continuously make these cogs that they want for so uh, for some important goddamn reason. Uh, we'll no, this is the same speech I was giving when I became an artist. Get back to uh, work, you dirty dog. <laughs> now, it's been, as we've already talked about, 30 days or 30 shifts. And so it's been about a month since uh, lo lovely Andor of Cassian has been in here. Which means... We can now see what the kinds of things that he's been up to. Um, Off-screen, technically. As I've already mentioned before, he does the thing with trying to cut the water line, but he also is in regular conversation with some of the other floor mates on trying to analyze guard movements, things that, uh, how the operation works when it comes to the confines of the room, notably the elevator shaft that uh, guards will take a new prisoner and enter the, uh, have them enter the room in, and then lower to bring the new prisoner amongst the others, much like what happened with Andor at the top of his introduction to this prison complex. Uh, while some of the people that he's talking to do have names because they are the table mates that we have talked to, he's also talking to other floor mates around other parts of the uh, of the room as well that we never get to like know of by name. So yeah. this helps set up, up the anticipation of, okay, so he obviously doesn't plan on taking it down. Where is he going? What is he doing? What's going to happen? Mm -hmm. And I didn't know we had mentioned yet that Andor <clears throat> was doing the work on the pipes because the first thing they actually show is it 
Andor is actually, he's a very intelligent character, and he can pick up on things very quickly. And so he actually becomes the fastest person at his table, to the point that he gets paired with Olaf, because Olaf is old and not as good at um, the work. Like, Andor could probably do both their jobs, but I'm not. But also, one thing that I really like is that while Kino is a bit of an asshole, it seems like he is attempting to be a leader for everybody. And he actually has... I don't know how you guys would describe it. I would say he actually has a really nice relationship with Ula. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't like he doesn't oh, yeah, hate he does. anyone. He, does, he doesn't hate anyone. Yeah. Um in fact he is quite he is quite compassionate when given the chance. Mm -hmm. Uh much of the complaint that I even gave him about how mean spirited is everyone is more of that conditioning that I talked about, given that he is in a quote unquote authoritative position amongst the inmates, mm -hmm. he is supposed to be keeping the tight leash. He is the one that is the face of the actual oppression the entire establishment enforces. Yeah. And he he shows a lot of this relationship, and they have a very interesting relationship because of the fact it seems like Olaf is actually the thing that is keeping Kino going. So Kino does not show any real kinks in his armor for his devotion to the job for a majority of the time they're in the prison. And U Olaf is very old. Like, let me pull it back so I can get a better. Also, just a quick ad. He also has the least amount of time. That's what like, I was... he's the closest God to escape. Damn it! <laughs> Ruined the damn point God. I was trying to get to because <laughs> I was trying to get the right picture of him. Because Andor's fucking ass is standing in the way. Like, th this is the kind of thing I'm trying to show. Look at. Olaf is obviously the one on the right because the man on the left is Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis is immortal. He's not allowed to die. I don't know. Andy Serkis Andy just Serkis put on some makeup. Is immortal. And, I mean, if he just puts on a little makeup, he can play this character. Andy Serkis Shit. is immortal. Andy Perkins can play everyone in this room, and we wouldn't know. Probably not. Sure. Um, But the point is, Olaf is, you know, he's very old. He's not moving quite well, but... Every time he starts to get a little bit iffy and slow down, Kino or it's generally Kino, but either him or someone else is like, hey, how many shifts do you have left? He's down to 41 shifts. This man is a little bit over a month away from getting out of here. And like that is a major motivating factor for a lot of people. Once again, including Kino, who is just like, yeah, you're you're going to make it. And that means we're going to make it. We're all all right. We're all all right. We're not. We're far from all right. Please help us. Olaf is going home. Please save my life. <laughs> Who's going to tell him? Lily says, well, he looks like that, he's that's Kino. Kino is Lily consistently, Olaf is going home. And Who's... funnily enough, this Who's is actually where we first get the, the, the view of what Andor is working on. Because he literally looks and goes, New guy the day after, right? That's correct. And he's very clearly doing some shady things. It's like, hmm, what are you doing, Andor? 
some shady thing. And he ends up talking with some of this. I'm going to call them side characters because they don't don't talk. And they point out the fact that the guards who are on the upper level don't have the the boots on that are the anti-electroshock boots. Guards got on boots. Mexicans got on boots. No, guards don't got on boots. Guard, guard no boot, though. And so they know that if they can get onto the elevator, they'll be safe from shock. Which is why he starts to work on it. Oh, and then the blackout. So there's this weird thing. They have to go through these very thin tunnels where they're in a straight line, and that's generally when they do the little sign language thing. To communicate with other floors, because mm-hmm. we didn't mention that yet. I believe Thomas did mention it. Really? Indeed I did. Awesome. Okay. Job. And while they're waiting in there one of the days, the lights go com- like completely out for a second, and then they whirl back on very clearly due to a, a large usage of power. And I'm trying to see if they say it now. Um, something's wrong on two. And this is where I believe we can jump forward a bit in the timeline. So we've already mm-hmm. mentioned that he's sawing through the pipe. We've already mentioned that there's communication going on. He's talking with some of the other prisoners. They're very clearly making an escape plan. The power going off and then coming back on was that on floor two, they shocked the entire bridge. They killed a hundred people. There are 49 crew members and one floor leader on every single floor. Essentially what had happened is someone in the prison got done with their sentence. But instead of releasing them, they sent them from one floor to floor two. And then... No one was going to notice or some shit. Well, it didn't matter if anybody noticed as long as they didn't talk. But then they got onto there and they saw that they were signaling that they were going to talk about it. And so that's why right when they get in there, they get fried. Nope. We won't have any of that around here. And nobody knows what happened because only one group can see two and they're just like, something happened. I don't know. Um, Because of the way that the basically the little tubes are uh, God, what is it? Uh, staggered in the way they go up. And like, th- this is something that really bugs the shit out of Keto. He's like, you don't know that something bad happened. It takes days to get any fucking words over here. You could never know. Everything is fine. We're all going home. You know, you know, softening that copium right now. It, <laughs> I I would say it's more hopium, but he is, he is fucking burning high on that copium. Remember, kids, always take your doctor's daily recommended dose, and never more. And Cassian is trying to get Keto to just talk. And he's just like, no. 
I will not. I will not. I don't believe in the words you are saying. And, like, at this point, we know the guards aren't watching the sleeping quarters. The guards are barely watching the assembly area. The only thing the guards care about is that they stay down there and they keep working. So long as production numbers are up, they don't care. So their whole planning thing about the their escape plan that they're working on, they're unawares. They know it. They can openly talk about it. And that seems to actually infuriate uh, Andor. They do not care. We are barely... We are barely pieces of the machine to them. They are fat and lazy. Mm-hmm. Where have we heard some of the worst of this before? I wonder if a certain Karl Marxian character helped inspire some of this language. Yep. And this is where they get told uh, the night shift apparently got word. It's like, yeah, they got fried out. So, gone. And apparently they found out from a maintenance team and they're like, hey, Kido's going to go like, that's not what happened. We still don't know if that's true. They got fried out. There's no proof of that. What did he say? What happened on two? Don't worry about it. They set them all free and then Kido fucking beats up the guy. He's like, they set them free and you're like, I'm going to fuck you up. Shut the hell up, Melchie. <laughs> we don't need your negativity right now. And fucking Keto is losing it. Losing it. Fucking. Losing it. He's just like, oh my god. It's a rumor. Maybe it's true. <coughs> Maybe it's not. Thank you. We all heard nothing. Just another day, another shift. So let's keep our mouths shut, keep our heads down until we know what's going on. He is still. See, now he's huffing the copium. Hey, people are dying and they don't care. We don't have fingers up. Fuck the police. Yeah, and um Olaf's condition is just getting worse. So he'll be fine. Because he's great. He'll be totally fine. And nothing will go wrong. Roz, that's your cue. There you go. <laughs> anyway, time continues. Time continues. I'm sorry. It's very. The, it, there's a lot of very short segments that happen. Things happen. Plot moves forward. Oh, yeah. Fucking. Ulov can't even stand properly. He's leaning. His hands are shaking. They have this thing called on program where they stand just regular standing with their hands on their head. 
and Olaf can't even get himself off the table. Andor has to kill. Like, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be dead honest. Even as a evil villainous organization, I could not just keep this here. This this is hindering production. You change the gear. I don't even care if you have to just, you know, say he's being released, take him all back and shoot him as the evil organization. Just get rid of him. Like, I honestly just let him go early. Just look at him. He's, if anything, he's making mistakes. Well, pretty sure he's Eh. dead. Now, remember, Maurice, they don't care. I know, but I at least like, it's not about caring about them. It's about caring about the final product. Oh, yeah, that also don't matter. Because as long as, even if he, uh, even if he dies in the middle of uh, a work week, that's not going to stop the I know. production of the John. I feel like it is. I feel like it's ruining it. Like, if he doesn't mm-hmm. die, like, if he doesn't drop dead, I feel like we're just losing productivity. And as a villain, that's just ruining the ops. That is ruining the ops. Like, look at this. They're stopping and not being productive. He could have just been home. All right, I know. Could have replaced them with someone fresh and young. I, I, I get your point. This scene is what settled it in for me for how I felt about Kino, because obviously with someone like Kino, there's a bit of a. All right, how nice are you being because of the fact that you know? you're doing the business nice, or are you actually a relatively nice person underneath the visage of, I'm trying to get the work done? And, you know, I can actually just show this screen. Um, When Olaf goes down, he literally is there like, come on, you're gonna be alright, you've only got a few shifts left, then you're going home. He is obviously part of what he is saying isn't for Olaf. He is saying that partially for himself, just, you know, that continued motivation, but that is something that you would want to say to someone like that, who, this guy has probably been in prison for fucking years at this point. And he's oh, just yeah, like, you honest. are almost done. You just have <laughs> to get there. So <laughs> Thomas made yeah, a big so stink close. over the word of few. Well, it's only a few. You, you lying. He said, he like 40 days. I was like, he's dying now. Well, I we don't know. Is, we don't actually know how many days it is until he's done because the time skips in this have been pretty drastic. Forty is uh, too long. He's um, dying now. Fun fact: the med tech also a prisoner. Yep, our doctors are also in jail. Luckily, we the prison guards never get sick. Yeah, the fucking. Fucking funny line. Fucking Kato's like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. And his doctor's response is, I haven't gone anywhere. All right, what's up with this one? I don't know. He seems to be dying. Well, let's kill him. His name is Olaf. I've seen him before. Hold that. It gives him an oxygen mask. The doctor, he's got only got 40 shifts left. Just want to get him up and about. He's a tough old rock. He's our anchor. His name is Olaf. I don't want to know his name. What's his name? He's got 40 shifts left. We just want to give him something, get him through the next few days. 
Get him back on his feet. That's not an option. That's not an option. What? What do you mean? You can't save him? There's nothing to save. He's had a massive stroke. So Olaf has essentially been brain dead. Probably since he collapsed in there in the little bridge between. I think one of the things that... So I've worked with in search and rescue. I'm a first aid CPR trainer. I've done more than my fair share of first aids within the construction industry. Um... The fact that he says, I need a bag and a trolley, and the guard doesn't flinch, doesn't pull out a communicator, and just goes, it's on its way. It's already, mm-hmm. already on the way. Yep. That hurts me. Yeah. Like, you son of a bitch. Yep. This is, this is America. I mean, this is space America. Space fascism. He'll pass peacefully. The doctor even says that he's lucky because he'll pass peacefully. And the doctor confirms what happened down on two. All gone. With no survivors. A uh, person who was released on four ended up back on two. Uh, yeah. Um and since I believe Kino has gone to more parts of the facility for mm-hmm. probably meetings and such, um Andor has been asking him how many guards are on each level. And Kino has not been answering. But then this time when he asks how many guards are on each level as they are leaving poor deceased Olaf he finally responds and says no more than 12 and then we get to episode 10 which is one way out this is a great episode they kind of talk and Andor says a couple of things such as I would rather die than give them what they want which may and or may not come up later. And then we get to a quick little speech from Kino where there's a whole bunch of rumors going around just, you know, talk about Olaf. It's like, hey, what the fuck happened? Where's Olaf? Is he coming back? What's the shift going to be like tomorrow? And the, uh, uh, Andor spouses out what happened on 2 and everybody is basically just shouting at this point. There's no organization. Then Kino yells, no one is getting out. And everybody shuts the fuck up. Because Kino's the floor leader. And everyone just looks over to Kino like, what do you mean? And he steps up to his little thing. Because he was kind of having a bit of a breakdown. It's true. The rumors are true. They're not letting us go. Ever. We're going to die here. Or in the next place. 
So let's get our heads back in our cells and start figuring this out. Definitely a... Some shit's been going on, but we're gonna figure this out. We're done counting shifts. There is only then and now. There is only one way out. Play it how you want. But I'm gonna assume I'm already dead. And take it from there. There's no sense in warning the night shift. They'll hear about it one way or another soon enough. Let's make it look good. Because... Yeah. Andor has already told him there's a plan to escape. But we're not going to make it look obvious that we're going to escape. Because this is the only time that the elevator is going to come down. When the new person arrives. So, Andor goes in and... I believe he finishes cutting. Yep, finishes cutting through the pipe as the new person is getting bullied by the guards. He steps out of the bathroom, which is directly next to the floor, as the elevator is just about to come down. And luckily, they don't notice that he is covered in water because it cut through a water pipe. So there are two guards with guns watching the elevator go down. And everybody is there kind of watching. And then Andor runs up and he jams a tool into the, basically the gyro that controls the elevator, stopping it in place. With it stopped, uh, one of the other people who has helped with the plan to escape starts to climb up the elevator. Uh, he gets immediately shot. Oh, it's not immediate. I lied to you. The new guy zaps the guard that's been zapping him, and then he gets shot. He dies first. Then all the prisoners start to grab shit and they start throwing it at the guards. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> there is water starting to come out of the bathroom. This is when Rebel Number 2 gets shot as he's starting to climb up the little rail. Now it's Andor's turn to climb. Hopefully he does not get shot. They're very angrily throwing things. A lot of the prisoners are already being shot. And there is the call to... uh, Basically to light the floors. They want to shock everybody. But as they press the button... The water that's on the floor short circuits the shock system. And it completely shorts out the floor to the point that the lights turn off. And that is when Kino's are like, holy shit, the floors are not powered. Fucking charge! <laughs> Although the main issue is that the guards are still there with guns and they do not have guns. And even though there's only two of them, uh, yeah, two is just about enough. This yeah, you can you can deal with this. Zal dies as he tries to throw a thing, but then Andor gets high enough and he kicks him. Then he takes his gun and he shoots the second guy, and so now there are no more guns, except for the gun Andor has. And so now it's time to climb, 
and this group proceeds to essentially grab every gun that they can, go to the different areas of the floor, and tell them, Get off! Climb! Take the guns! Shoot the guards! And as they do that, Kino and... <laughs> Kino and Cassian get to the control room for the entire prison. And there's a very amusing moment where they're like, turn off the power. Like, what? We can't uh, turn it off. But but it's hydro-powered. If we turn it off, it'll... And then fucking Keto just shoots someone. And so <laughs> the second guy, because there are three in the room, just goes, I I'll turn it off. Oh, he tells him to cut the power, and it says it's all hydro, and it'll take months to get it back up and running. And Cassian puts a gun to this one's head. The other one gets shot because it says they can't turn off the power at all. With the power to the floor, each of the floors turned off. Um, and the hydro power shut off, which means it's going to take a while to get the power back on. The emergency power comes on, and Kino goes up to the mic. And I'm not going to attempt to read his speech because there's no way I'm going to be able to do it any justice. This is probably, uh, I would probably say it's number two. It's number two of my speeches of this show, which there are a surprising number of. And this one is, it's very good. And I like the way that it builds because he starts off kind of just being like, Hi, I'm Keto, the, the, the shift leader for 5-2-D. They killed everyone on 2. Uh, and then he proceeds to gain more confidence. Partially because Cassidy is sitting there just going, Rebel, is that... <laughs> we want justice. We want justice. Now he's like, is that the best you've got? You need to tell them what to do, like you have been. He went full Aaron Yeager on. Yeah. That's right. Much respect for it. Is that the best you've got? Uh, the building is under our control, but what happens now is based off of us. And I'm gonna try and find. He basically tells them all the floors are deactivated. Get out of yourselves. Take charge. Start climbing. They don't have enough guards, and they know it. Um, they fried a hundred men down on two. There's no one outside that knows what's happening here. Basically, you're here to die, and that ends today. You run, you climb, kill. You need to help each other. You see someone who's confused, someone who's lost. You get them moving, and you keep them moving until we get this place behind us. If we... I... Positive, but I believe the next line is there's there's 5,000 of us. If we can fight half as hard as we've been working, we'll be home in no time. Thanks. Yeah. And then he starts chanting One Way Out, which is also the title of the episode. And it's just a really good speech. Yeah. And then the fucking worst. The guards can't stop them and there's no power to the building. 
they get to the edge of the building, which, as we mentioned, is in the middle of a fucking lake. And then people There's start the... jumping. It's close enough to where people can get down to the water without dying. There aren't any ships in the middle for them to grab. And then right when they get to the end, everybody is starting to jump. There's a large conglomerate of people. Andor turns to... To Kino. He goes, come on, what are you doing? And Kino just has this pale look on his face. And he just says, very quietly, I can't swim. And as oh. Andor kind of goes back to, to get him, he gets bumped into by a couple of people and he gets knocked off the side. And we just kind of see Kino very slowly just walk him back into the prison a bit. We don't see exactly what happens to him, but uh, he doesn't leave. He's uh, he's not dead, Jim, but he's dead. Emotionally. And, like, I'm trying to see if I can't find it. Because, like, you can see it on his face. Like, he knows he's fucked. Don't see a dead body. He's not dead. He'll use someone as a flotation device. One way out. But yeah, it might be a little bit hard to see in the VOD, but uh, you can literally see the little little dots of people making their way out of the prison as they jump and swim away. And that is the end of the prison arc. Cassian then uh, they've uh, the field of quick and easy solutions does kind of pop up for <laughs> him and the other. Pr- uh, well, not exactly. Hi. It takes uh, the next episode has a whole lot of and or just trying to get out with Mr. Pessimist. Um, mm-hmm. They have to climb a wall and it's pretty shaky. But then, as I mentioned, the field of quick and easy solutions, uh, there's these two fishermen who have a ship. And they try and run for the ship, and they get captured. And then the people are like, "We don't like the Empire. We'll help you, prisoners. Where do you want to go?" No, they they did decide to shake him up a little bit, which was funny. Yeah, only for laughs. Oh, like, well, you try to steal my ship, so they definitely make it seem like they're considering selling about the Empire. But they're like, "Ha ha! We don't like the Thank Empire. You, we fooled you." Ha ha ha! Except Thinking for in, in, in less succinct words, because these two are barely literate. I'm barely literate. I'm barely. I have a bear. Um. <laughs> Anyways, off world, flying home. Yes, and they, they fly back to the beach planet, where apparently no one noticed Cassie Andor's box that has like 30,000 credits in it. To be fair, I don't look on top of hotel showers either for money. Right, yeah, it's, uh, it's listen, a, it's a now part. you know. <laughs> the next time you end up at a, <laughs> at a, a Holiday Inn, check this well, Just check everything. You never know where the drugs might be. I think Crazy. the funny part is is the other person is like, we should probably split up. We could cover more ground that way and make sure people find out what was happening there. And it it strikes me as funny because Cassie's like, yeah, 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 we should... We should split up. Yeah, you're right. For that reason. 
and that reason alone. Yeah. But it, I'll never I'm, see you again, I'm, Sheik. I'm literally sitting there like, you just don't want him to know how much fucking cash you got on you. I just don't want to hang out with him. Correct. He's such a pessimist, man. He kept talking about how we were going to die. But here we are correct. alive. Fucking idiot. Correct. Absolutely correct. Um, but yeah. No, ho. No, ho. <laughs> One way out. One way out. <laughs> Can very easily change that to <laughs> some people's favorite burger joint. No way home. In and out. In and out. <laughs> Sorry. Sir, this is a Wendy's. Uh, but yeah, that's literally everything that happens in episode 11. We're on to the final episode, which reconvenes everybody. But honestly, this is a relatively quick part of the story. Uh, takes a while, though. Essentially, but very emotional. Yes. Everybody is converging on Ferris. Sorry, Ferrix. Um, Back to the beginning. Andor calls oh, oh. The, the ship guy who he talked to to be like, hey, uh, tell Marva I'm, I know I haven't talked to her well, that I'm safe. Uh, I'm just trying to get some stuff stored out. I'm going to come see her soon. And he, Andy. yeah, he, he has to tell Andor that his mom died. And Andor is very sad about it. And he comes home. And no, everyone else, everyone else is <laughs> my like, my mom can't die. I'm also going to Ferrix. Like, again, Cyril is going to Ferrix. Uh, Vel and Medic Lady are both on Ferrix. Luthen is going to Ferrix. Fucking Cyril is going to Ferrix with the sergeant. Everyone, the sergeant's already Everyone is going to Ferrix. Most of them to find Andor, one of them to try to get Luthen. Um, you know, it was also on. By Andor. catching Andor. You know, it was also on Andor. Green Hoodie Man. And Green Hoodie Man has a plan. It starts with a B, ends with Om. Lamb. Uh, yeah, Vel finds Medic Lady. You know what lady, his plan is called? And she's just like, I just want to talk to you. And Medic Lady is just like, but I'm in kill mode. His plan but is justice. His, his plan is justice. His plan is justice. Um... Andor ends up coming back. He goes to try and check on Bix, but he's met by the ship guy. And the ship guy is like, yeah, I loved your mom. We're selling this place. Like, why the fuck are you selling this place? Ah, no one knows where Bix is. Well, everyone knows where Bix is. But, you know, Bix probably isn't coming back. Oh, Bix? Yeah, she got taken. Huh? Ooh. Yeah, she's yeah, gone now. Andor goes to his little, his little ship. And he's, he's sad. He's a sad boy. Uh, they make plans for where they're gonna set up to try and capture Andor, which includes, um, IS, uh, ISB lady going, no snipers, we want to get him alive. And then we have Andor sneaking around to the sewers. And to also, uh, this is all happening because his mother is having this gigantic parade funeral because she's a very important person well now. what's happening here is very common for i don't want to say everyone but it's a pretty common thing wherein what they do is is that they take your body you get cremated and then your ashes are made into a brick mm -hmm. and that brick and... is placed into a wall of barracks 
But she's getting all the bells and whistles as she was a higher member of the sisterhood of the traveling pajamas. <laughs> the, the, the traveling Ferrix. Uh, but yeah, she was the leader of the Daughters of Ferrix, which is a political group. There's very clearly a Sons of Ferrix as well. Um, and they're allowing them to do a little parade to try and draw Cassian out. That's the only reason why they allow it, and they're going to immediately regret doing so. Um, but yeah. And so we kind of have a moment where best friend and Andor meet up again. They hug. Big hug. Yeah. It's one, it's one of those friend hugs. It's that, hey, you're not dead, and I'm sorry your mom died. I get yeah. to carry the brick, though. Yeah, and you... You, I, I think that for me, the moment that I do is like, yep, this is a this is a good friend hug. It's the way that Andor has his hands together. <laughs> yeah. Now you can't leave. Don't leave. Because he, he does start off with little backpacks that he's just like, squeeze. Best friends. Best friends. Um. Yeah, they, they hold the hug for a nice while. Also, just to add in there, in case anyone forgot, we didn't forget, but B is really sad. B is so fucking sad. I don't want to talk about it. It's, it's I don't want to talk. Dude, the fucking scene where we're being told that Marva is dead, we're literally sitting there, and there's this weird shaking thing happening. And what it is, is we're looking at B, and B has made coffee, not coffee, tea for Marva, and he's just sitting there staring at her empty chair, and he's shaking. Fucking Brasso had to stay in the house with him overnight, because he's just like, why can't we stay here? Rasa's like, you can come with me back to my house. But Marva, it is like, Marva's not here. Marva could come back. One night. He's like, all right, one night. He's just, he's so happy. Yeah. It's, it was really sad to watch this poor robot lose his owner. And his other owner constantly just leaves. Bad, sad day. I just want B to be happy. Can't have that. No, gonna die next season. No, it's not allowed. Not only can you not have that, you can't have that for free. Listen, best friend cares about me too, and we'll get to the part that solidifies that for me later. Um, but also, like, if if there was ever a question about how much Cassian is feeling the loss of Marva, literally the first thing that he actually says to his best friend, a.k.a. Brasso, is, I wanted her to leave with me. I know. I came to get her. She told me. And then he I pulls out the back. script. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I couldn't get back. You shouldn't be here now, Cass. Last time I saw her, we argued. And then fucking best friend does the thing that don't. I told her I was coming back. Stop. I never should have left that morning. Stop it. Just chops him in the head. She told me you'd say all this. Tell him none of this is his fault. 
It was already burning. He, He's just the first spark of the fire. Tell him he knows everything he needs to know. And feels everything he needs to feel. And when the day comes for those two to pull together, he will be an unstoppable force for good. Tell him. Sorry, this he remembered all that. I love him more than anything he could ever do wrong. Which also, fuck you, show. <laughs> Stop making Man. me feel. Another great thing is we didn't get to see any of this no like that was not a con i think that that's the better thing to have done because like even if rasa was making this stuff up this is all shit i could see her saying okay and the fact that he knows all of the stuff and the fact that this is uh, when you look at the speech that marva gives and her little self-eulogy this is very on par with what she was saying there. So if Brasso is making this up, he is a better liar than Cass. <laughs> the ultimate liar. Because the line, I love him more than anything he could ever do wrong. That is such a... I don't want to say it's such a mom line because some people have shitty moms. That's such a good mom line. That's a good parent line. Yeah, like, it, it just... Ah, stop it. Adopted mom, please. <laughs> Adopted mom, Sama. See, this is why I like mad shows. They don't make me feel things. <laughs> All that makes me do is get angry. I just get angry. I like being angry more than sad. Yeah. <laughs> I get everybody out here talking about how it's the side characters and the development. Fuck off. It's the dialogue. Dollar show's fucking fantastic. People actually talk to other people instead of sitting in a basement every day and just trying to think about what people sound like. I mean, I sit in a basement every day, but I talk to people every day, too. I sit in a basement every day. That's I do that. <laughs> I do that, but I also talk with people. There he is. And there's this long little stare the two of them have. And then they kiss. Nah. They totally could have, though. <laughs> nobody would have. Nobody would have been that I. So he tells him that Bix is in the hotel, and Andor very clearly has a plan to go and get him. And then we see that the sergeant and. Uh, God, I'm sorry. I completely Cyril, Cyril and the sergeant Cereal. are on their way, and they are nearly there. And then we kind of get the uh, sorry, Luthen gets there. He talks with Val for a minute, tells her to be ready. We get that everybody is preparing. There's like a whole marching band. There's a traitor who tells them probably where Cassian is going to be. Uh, the parade starts, and it's a lot. I believe they said no more than 35 people may be a part of it. It's a lot more than 35, unless I'm terrible at counting. Um, 
I find it amusing that this is the song that came on for the background music while I'm talking about a marching band, because this is not a marching band at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, they show up and they do a little march down to the city square where we see that it is actually Best Friend, a.k.a. Brasso, who is carrying Marva's brick. And everybody's there, including friendly ship hire man and green sweatshirt dude and also a whole bunch of imperial douchebags even bix is there in a window far away but she's yeah. there he's trying and then not even confinement will stop me from watching this uh my friend's mom get placed into a wall mm -hmm. but before they do that part uh they head over to the square and they, it, they also the sisters are there. The sister, sorry, the daughters and the sons of Ferrix are there, and they kind of go at like they go to where the traitor, who's the debt collector from episode one or two, episode jerk. one. Yep, episode um, one. Uh, tries to tell them where he'll be, and he moves before they get there, so they don't catch him there. And then they have a little stone and sky chant. The Imperials are kind of looking at them like they're crazy. I mean, I would too at anybody who's chanting in a large group. That's suspicious as hell. And it's a lot of a lot of characters are very close together. Like Luthen is standing feet away from Cyril and the sergeant. And Cyril has seen uh the ISB lady walking around a couple of times. He hasn't <gasps> he hasn't gone after her said. yet. Luckily, he well, he did. He did make a few steps forward, and someone was like, "Get back, you dirty hobo!" Um, Andor is in the process of moving somewhere. It's not quite clear where at this moment, but you can assume he is attempting to make his way over to the hotel. This is where, in my opinion, the best speech of the show is, because <laughs> B has a little thing on his head that flips over, and it projects an image of Marva, and it. She essentially, she's there in her Daughters of Ferrix robe. And once again, I don't want to go through it line by line because it's a very good speech with well-accompanied background music and delivered mm -hmm. by an actor who's much better at line delivery than I am. But to quote a couple of the lines of it, uh, she consistently says, we've been sleeping. And the threat that now faces us grows far more powerful while we are asleep we've been allowing the empire to fester and grow and now it's here we were content because we had each other we had our work we had ferrix and we had each other but now they're here and they're here to stay we've been sleeping i've been sleeping and reach i know that it what is it it's easy for the dead to say you should fight but if I could do it all again I would wake up early and be fighting these bastards from the start and then she ends her speech with saying fight the empire and when she says I um if I could do it all again I'd wake up early and be fighting these bastards from the start. One of the Imperials actually takes off his cloak, runs oh, up, and tries oh, to cover oh, the oh, thing oh, in the middle hey, of her speech. Oh, oh. 
Oh, oh, is that is, is that insubordination I hear? Hey, oh no, 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 that, that will not do. Uh, but his coat only half covers it, and so when she yells "fight the empire," there's only about half of her showing. And then that imperial yells "enough" and kicks B over. Which oh, that's that's how you initiate combat. How fucking you dare you? Also, ah, I had a roll. I'm serious. You did have to you, roll for initiative. If you don't watch Andor, look up the speech. Look up the Marva speech from Andor because it is actually really well written and really well delivered. Especially because of the fact that you have to remember this is a woman who was probably close to her deathbed, who was dying of some kind of it seemed to be like lung disease like she had medication for it and everything and she like oh no she got poisoned from the planet where she saved him it's entirely possible and here is where it's solidified that my favorite character show is uh it's it's best friend friend. because when the imperial Okay, I'm sorry. He doesn't kick over B. It's even worse. He literally grabs B and flips him over. Uh, combat. Immediately. And this is the perfect freeze frame. Brasso goes and Spartan kicks the absolute Ugh. hell out of him. Look how oh, high man. he got. Like, it's in his chest. Look at that face. He is Ooh, strained. That brother's floating in the air. Like somebody they, get him out of the like it. It's something that it's hard to tell there. Brass, whoever plays Brasso, the actor is a large human being. Like, here's another fucking freeze frame that works. One of the other guards grabs him and he just throws him over his shoulder. Sure. Yep. Dirty hands. And that other guy who looks like he's stumbling in the back over here, that guy just got shoved a second ago. But, like, I'm going to see if I can't get a good pause for it. It is all out war now, gentlemen. Yeah, because fucking that one that he shoved away tries to come back for seconds. You want to know what he gets fed? He gets fed not only a Brasso fucking hammer, but it's fucking a Marva-sponsored hammer. Because this man... Raises the brick. And I'll uh, give me a moment. The people's hammer. Fucking schmack. The, the, <laughs> Knocks the this man's whole helmet off. The people's banana slammer. Look at look at this guy on the left who's just like, Oh my god. <laughs> I do love the fact that the bearded individual is just completely unemotional. <laughs> Long live the king. It's like he can barely <laughs> see what's happening, but he's glad about it. <laughs> ah! He does, in fact, turn and just... Ah! I killed him with Marva! <laughs> Marva is so Marva, happy. I did it. Marva, you did it. <laughs> yeah. And then the crowd gets very agitated. And they start to run up and Ooh. Uh, fight the Imperials, who have, like, yeah. this riot unit with a bunch of shields. Andor is breaking into the hotel. They managed to get the fucking Imperial who knocked over B back like a bunch of assholes. But then, while this is going on, and I'm going to just be honest. The Imperials are kicking the shit out of the Ferex people. Yes. Fucking, 
Ha- there it is. Yes, the clock tower man with his hammers is still going the fuck off. And one of the Imperials is like, shut him off! Uh, so a single stormtrooper just starts making his way towards the tower. From like, we'll get back to him later. Yeah, he starts running towards the tower. He's like eight blocks away. And it's a tower. Like, like he has to actually travel there. He is not on a speeder or nothing. He is. He has to use his legs. Party. Yeah. Um, but Andor gets to Bix. Um, as the people are kind of losing the tug of war with the riot police, uh, Green Sweatshirt kind of just. Oh yeah, and he enacts justice. Yeah, he kind of pulls out his IED and throws it into the crowd. And it lands directly next to a speeder and the uh, hotel window, blows up the trader, and then a container of explosives opens and rolls out and sets off several more explosions. And those explosions set off more explosions. Yes, indeed. And so now the things take a very bad turn from here, wherein one of the Imperials yells, Open fire and fire at will, and so they start to fire in a bunch of stormtroopers, not these riot troopers, stormtroopers start to fire into the civilian crowd. Oh, right, time to kill civilians. That's right. Yeah, uh, uh, screw them, as certain individuals would say. It's Bix not doing so well, but Andor's Andor's now helping her. Yes, he has to physically carry her out of the uh, the hotel. Um, Green Hoodie Kid is kind of shocked by his own explosive, and the appearance go, Kid, grab that boy! And as the stormtroopers come up, they punch the kid, but then, guess who? It's Brasso. He's got a metal arm. Where'd he get a metal arm? I don't fucking know. But guess what? He fucking bashes one of the stormtroopers with it, and then headbutts another. They're in their plastoid armor, and he still headbutts them through it. And then he just drags the kid. He's like, come on, we're leaving. The stormtroopers are up there like, man, I do love indiscriminately killing people. Well, I mean, one of them shoots an old lady in the leg, and then the fucking, uh, the nice shitman jumps on that stormtrooper to stop him from killing her, and ends up being shot himself. I'll kill him. I got you, Chief. Oh, thank you for not shooting me, buddy. Yeah, he... Nice shit, man. Dies. B is still on the ground, but don't worry. People get some rope on him and they pull him out of there. We'll get B out of here. He's a hero. Uh, Carefully now. Medic lady murders an Imperial spy with a knife. Good times. Oh, yeah. He gets saved by the boatman. Not the boatman, the shipman. There is no boatman. Yeah, That'd be weird. The shipyard man. Andor kills a death trooper and finds out that the traitor died. Good. No love lost. Um, ISB yes. lady actually gets caught in the civilian portion of the crowd. And, and she, she is lucky to not just be beaten to death. Yes, because she act like people are ignoring her and running, but they're running into her, knocking her over. They're people starting to grab her. But what kind of happens... Oh, wait, before we get to that, fucking the man who goes up to the tower, gets to the tower, goes up all of the stairs, gets to the top. The drummer man kind of, like, turns and... So, yeah, I'm just gonna... I'm gonna do this in moments. So, yeah, he gets to the top, fucking... 
drummer man kind of looks at him. Um, if you can't tell what's about to happen from this face, I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, you can also already see Stormtrooper screams. Uh, yeah, he Spartan kicks him off the tower. This was the funniest moment to me. It's so sad. He's like, oh, he I made ran. it, sir. Can I politely ask you to... Ah! He <laughs> ran, like, four city blocks, ran up an entire flight of stairs, got there, looked at the man, and just found a boot to his chest. <laughs> As planned. He didn't even get to say a word. He didn't even say, hey, stop doing that, or, yo, give me a second. I just climbed up a bunch of fucking steps. Also, I have decided that this is going to be our thumbnail. <laughs> I, I don't know how we're gonna add ourselves to it, but I'll find a way. <laughs> I think I'll I'll, this... I, I'll put my my normal screaming self next to the stormtrooper. Oh man, I, I I'm be honest, I still feel bad for the stormtrooper. He <laughs> no reason just standing there. You, huh? Go stop that tower. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> oh, oh, man, it's the last I'm sure step. they'll recognize all my hard work after <laughs> this. <laughs> hey, you. Stop playing with that. Uh, uh. I like to think he lived and just quit his job. Yeah, no, when you get it. Spartan kicked by a civilian off an entire tower, that kind of puts everything into perspective. Fuck the Empire. You know what? Uh, let me find some dirty rags real quick. I'll hide my plastoid. Oh man, you know, this we, empire sucks. What we never see is that guy actually becomes the apprentice to the bell tower man, and he takes over for him after his unfortunate passing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. uh, but yeah, so he gets kicked out, and then you know we've got a uh, wonderful pause face. <laughs> We got ISB lady who's getting fucking trampled by the by the people. They dive under the grabber. They start to drag her. They're gonna kill her. Good. But then we, we see her gun is being kicked around a bunch, and someone picks it up, and they're in the process of moving her, and someone grabs her and drags her into a building. And I'm sure everybody assumes exactly what the ISB lady assumed was about to happen. But then and then they touch her butt. Uh, no, but then she grabs the thing and she's ready to fucking kill. And who does she find? But Cyril. And she should still be ready to kill. She you stalked me to another planet, planet? She 1000% should. But her response is, you, how? And his response, Ooh. you Justice. were in trouble. <laughs> ha, gay. Then he, he very calmly takes the little tool I I hate this ISB woman. This is the most sorry I've ever felt for her. I've ever had a random man kidnap me, but not my stalker. <laughs> to be fair, she isn't upset about the situation from what I can tell. Most because uh, if it had been anybody else, it would have been worse. At least she could have killed that person. Now she's just confused. I don't know. She had a like, can. Look, I'll give her a fighting chance. But now I'm just confused. You followed me to another planet. 
He didn't follow her to the other planet. He came here for Cassie. She's not going to believe that. Yes, she will. No, because yeah. you're here. What are you talking right about? Here. The first time they talked, he had put in six illegal requests of information about Cassian. Look. You're here with me and not chasing Andor. You're after me. I'm scared of you now. Go away. Being a friend of Cyril would be entirely reasonable. But also, getting back into this, um, <laughs> he, she's like physically shaking and obviously scared, and he just says, Cyril, I do that. <laughs> I suppose I should say thank you. I hate how close they are. Give her some space. I'm not gonna, not gonna lie to you, dog. Hold on. Look, Hold the fuck bossy. on. Hold the fuck on. You can't blame that on Cyril. Just back the fuck up. My he... back is to the wall. Sh he, I was about to say he literally can't. She has pinned him against a fucking shelf. He can't move backwards anymore. Oh, I thought, I thought she was still put into the shelf. I didn't know she did a whole spin of room. No, she, he never pushed her against the shelf. They got inside. She grabbed a thing, pushed him against the shelf. And he he's literally sitting there with his hands up like, hey, it's me. You know me. I'm the one that follows you. All right. Lady, back the fuck up. Give him some space. <laughs> Give yourself some space. Nah, I suppose I should say thank you. You don't have to. I'm yeah, at least glad yeah. they didn't make out because it looks like they keep trying. Yeah, fucking he needs to back up. You could totally do that right now. Yes, keep backing up. Knock over the shelf. Get out of here. Turn around, push over Go the shelf, away. turn back around, then back up. Go away. Now I see why your mom's your disappointment. Oh, why? Um, that is. Oh, this is so. That's so sad what they did to her. Yeah. Hi, Luther. Uh, for those of you who are wondering what Maurice is talking about, despite the fact there's nothing on the screen, I am currently, we're on a Discord channel, and I'm currently streaming it to them muted, so I do that when we go over movies and shows so I can keep track of what happens in order, and correct myself when I get my memory wrong. But yeah, at this point, everybody's just packing up. Everybody's leaving. Luthen is leaving. Medic Lady and Fel are leaving. Uh, Brasso, the leader of these daughters of Ferrix and green sweatshirt guy are all leaving uh the three of them are leaving in the same ship with me and cassian does show up with bix right before they leave so they take bix b wants cassian to say cassian does not uh he has to leave to go handle something and b's very sad about it and he Cassia tells me, B, I need you to take care of Marva. Not Marva, of, uh... Bix to everyone. Uh, just Bix to everyone. You always just say take care that. everyone. And you've never disappointed. He trusts that little bot. And I would, too, I mean, with my entire I life. so sad. B just ran over C -c 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 Cassian. Yeah. You're not coming? Why is this always our conversation with Cassian? Why is it always, you're not coming? You're not staying? Can I at least come with you? Nope. Nope. And hell no. Can I have a picture of you? I'm gonna be honest. 
If they fucking ever do anything to, like, harm B in a permanent way, I'm done. I'm sure. No more. In. No in, more. in the middle of the episode, I am turning it off and I'm not watching anymore. And I'm not I'm watching alone. Rogue One. Is this going to be an end credit scene? B just walking down the street, random sniper bolt? No! <laughs> no, I would actually cry. I love B. <laughs> Want to give me a little B figure? I'll do it. Uh, if they make it, yeah. I'll buy it. I'll... Everyone over there loving BB-8 and R2, and I'm like, nah, Who the fuck guy. loves BB-8? Some people do, for some reason. Fucking... Honestly, I get confused by the R2-D2 love. That fucker doesn't ever say anything! It just beeps! Whoa. Yeah, but he's sassy. Yeah, he's right. real sassy when no one understands what fucking slurs you're using. He's Everyone my guy. Understands I'm gonna not talk about my guy nice. in such a disrespectful fashion. <laughs> I will talk about whoever I want to talk about. <laughs> mm, okay, let's see. You keep I'm that one of the hosts. Video. God damn it! Let's see. You keep that I'll be honest. I I was always a fan of C3PO over R2D2 because that motherfucker talked. Oh, you need words. Yes, <laughs> K2SO uh... is my favorite fucking droid. Although actually, B. He's definitely in competition. But K2SO was sassy and also had some of the funniest fucking lines. <laughs> fucking robot identical to K2SO gets shot by the main character and then K2SO walks around the corner, looks at the dead droid, looks up at the main character. Did you know that wasn't me? Yeah. Of course. Sweats. You fucking liar. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Where are you taking the prisoners? To prison. Damn, he got you there, Chief. Let <laughs> him through. Uh, but yeah. Uh, then we get the final scene after Cassian leaves, where Luthor somehow Luthor Luthen gets on his ship, but Cassian beat him there, and he's somehow. like, "Does him? You came here to kill me?" And Luthor is like, "You don't make it easy." And his response is, "Well, now I will." He motions at his own gun, which is closer to Luthen than it is to Cassian. He goes, uh, the old self-destructing gun trick. You went, I'm not falling Dang. for that. That would be funny, but that's not what happens. He says, either kill me or take me in. Because he has gone full rebel at this point. He is ready. And that is the end of the first season of Andor. I would also just like to add a little snippet that we kind of forgot that there does seem to be, once again, trouble at homes trying to secure the yams, as Val and Sita just are not getting along. I think it's Senta. Senta. It is Senta, yeah. I, You're right. But yeah, it's... they're just not getting, not getting along at all. And I'm like, ooh, trouble at home. Well, certainly. And all she cares about all she cares about is the yams, and all she cares about is the keel. The justice. I don't even know if it's yeah, justice yeah. for her. I think she just wants murder. She's doing uh, her job. I was say, she is just doing her job. Right, and I'm going to be her. honest. When they all meet up again, and it's like, we were on that planet for four months, four. and you took him in? Yep. Plans change. I will 
eat you. <laughs> it's crazy. All right. And we have been going for three and a half hours already. Yep. Yes. So that does bring me to the important section of this, which I believe Roz is eating right now. So this might be a little bit difficult because everybody has to respond. And some mac in his lips. It's ratings time. Roz, great. I randomly put us in an order. And by random, I mean it was forward last week. So now we're backwards. And you get to go first for setting. How would you rate the setting on a scale of 1 to 10? How do you rate Star Wars? <laughs> 7. Listen, according to some people, this doesn't have a Star Wars feel. Which also, I would like... Sense. Let me touch on that and some of the other things that have been said about this show. Oh, dear. The statement that this doesn't feel like a Star Wars story is asinine to me. Like all Star Wars They only say that because it doesn't have any Jedi in it. Yeah, that's fucking stupid. The Star Wars universe is more than just, oh, there are Jedi in it. Fucking Luke wasn't a Jedi really ever. He didn't complete his training. Actually, did he com technically he completed his training in the sixth one. But for the entirety of the fifth, there was no live Jedi Master actually doing Jedi things. It's just Luke. Luke is a guy. The Mandalorian only has Jedi doing things in a really stupid fashion. If you're going to tell me that the thing that makes it Star Wars is constant action, fuck you. No, it's the armor. It's the... <laughs> what do you mean it's the armor? The armor. It's the armor. It's the Mandalorian armor. That's what made it Star Wars. Apparently, it's not apparently. I know it's a hot take. Hot take from Kaiser. I think Mandalorian is fucking awful. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh my! Season two oh, no. was even the worse. Fanboys are All the baby. I'm actively not. He gonna does watch... not speak for us. I am actively not going to watch season three unless we're going to do a review of it. Daring, <laughs> Jesus. And you don't want me to do a review of the Mandalorian. He's not a fan. I'm not a fan. The, and also the fact that everyone who I know that's like, I like the Mandalorian. The fact that half, not all of them, I said all of them. The fact that half of them, <laughs> their whole excuse comes down to, but Baby Yoda though. But Baby Yoda? Yeah, fuck that argument. I don't even know what it means, but. It means just, that they're forgiving everything wrong with the show because of Baby Yoda. Like, which Baby Yoda is. Baby he Yoda do is yes, he does. But the things he does are actively detrimental to everyone around him. He so, does make anyway, I give the setting a seven because you know uh, we popped around in a lot of places. Everybody wore robes for some reason. The whole shoe thing is still baffling me, but it's decent. It's what? Wait, it. hold on. What do you mean the whole shoe thing is baffling you? Uh, so Reeves, after they beat up all the guards, nobody, not a single person, stole the shoes. They were kind of <laughs> preoccupied with getting the fuck out of there. Uh, I, I, I don't care. I don't care. At a time. Especially, <laughs> especially after our, uh, Melshi and Cassian, you know, had to cross the wasteland. I'm like, shoes would be quite nice right now. They would have been, but they exactly. were busy. Now, My getting back into it. Just watching, you know. I, I, I'm sorry. I know I had you start but now i'm going on a rant star the star wars saga has covered a lot of 
different things. Like, it's not all the same feel. That's the point of having an expansive universe, and that was the point of the EU when it was canon, was that there's a Wait, lot of different things happening in this universe, and they can have different feels. Because uh, it, the key you thing that you should just emphasize for that is universe. If all the planets felt the same, it wouldn't be a university of play. Kaiser, don't be silly. We all know Iron Man 2 was the same thing as Captain America 2. No difference. Yeah, and we all know Robert Downey's you play every character is I really love that the Incredible Hulk was the exact same as Black Panther. It also, was crazy. All of the aspects of the Empire of this show fold in very well to the Star Wars universe. Far better than the aspects of the Empire that are attempted to be added in by the Mandalorian, for example. Boom, 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 boom. Fucking the Mandalorian going like, yeah, it's true, stormtroopers can't shoot. How the fuck did a group of people whose entire job it was to shoot things and be able to shoot things with laser weapons never be able to hit Happy things? They <laughs> canonized the fact that they canonized that they can't hit not that the characters have plot armor. <laughs> characters can have plot armor. It's okay. We don't want them to fucking die from a stray round. Although characters in this one do. Characters in Rogue One do. You can do it. You just have to have characters that you're fine with losing. Even if they have other things that they could be doing. <laughs> but they didn't do that for the first ones. Because that's the way the stories were written back then. We're all more conscious of it now. That's fine. Don't canonize a group that's supposed to be an elite military force. Just missing. Maybe it was just those two on the speeders. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe they just sucked. Yeah, it wasn't literally all the rest of the fucking people in the Mandalorian also being fucking terrible at shooting. I mean, they hit their mark, his uh, armor, and nothing else. Literally, the armor covers like 30 to 40% of his body. Hit and we hit each of those. Hit him once in the <laughs> neck and he's dead. Rogue's an orphan once again. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so annoyed with the Mandalorian. And it, an, thing. the thing that annoys me is that people are like, yeah, Andor's pretty, the, the next best thing in comparison to the Mandalorian is like, Andor is infinitely better than the Mandalorian. Andor is it, as though. much better than the sequel trilogy than it is being better than the Mandalorian. Mm. It is an unassailable gap. But, uh, here's the thing that is kind of crazy for me with Star Wars. A lot of these characters, like, um, like, like, here's how it works for the Jedi. The Jedi block all the bullets that would hit them. Over the day, why would they block them, right? Okay. Why are these characters wearing armor if we don't get to see the armor get hit? Like, just let them get shot by the arm, like, in the armor. Like, Boba Fett has the, also has Beskar armor. He has never got shot yet. Did he not get hit in Book of Boba I have Fett? never seen a bullet hit him. I have seen him get hit in the face. I have seen him get punched, but I've never seen him get shot and, like, Cat fully taken down until he fights Cad Bane. Oh. But, like, even in The Mandalorian, The Mandalorian's getting shot constantly standing next to another person wearing the same exact armor set. Shoot both of them. 
Yeah. Why are you scared to shoot people wearing armor? Also, even Cordoon gonna... wears armor. If... Shoot her in the armor. Also, if you're gonna say that people are accurate enough to hate the Mandalorian, if they then just proceed to miss every shot on the character directly next to him, looking at you, sniper lady. Uh, but they miss every she shot. She wears at her. armor. Let her no, get she doesn't. She has armor. a helmet, which she takes off all the fucking time. Like, even her like, just give her armor. Let her jacket be some type of armor. Just give them armor so they can get hit. Have her get hit in a robotic fucking stomach and be like, hit. surprise, the robots are made out of Baskar. Like, they, they can both dodge bullets and still get hit in their armor. That's the point of wearing it. To yes, get hit. Major, you know what people can also be? Lucky. Mm -hmm. Lucky. Luck is a thing that exists in the real world. Let them use cover properly. Yeah. Instead of standing out in the open constantly. And I think we've... This horse is dead, and we have been beating it mercilessly. Yeah, but, you know, just letting people know out there in case you want to write your own like thing. Try so if, you put, if you put someone in armor, let them get hit. Sometimes let them get hit by their armor. Big thing is, though, and this is actually or another yet, issue that I have with Baskar. Even if I don't have armor, let them get hit. Just don't let me get a kill shot. You yeah. can get grazed. Graze hurts. Grazed fucking... Have your character Wing. get fucking crippled. Like, not like forever oh, crippled, like they lose a fucking leg. Yo, it's okay no, if you have someone get shot in the fucking uh, chest and give them a collapsed lung that they have to recover from. No kinds of... Blow them legs off. We need more cotton hills in this world. Okay, gentlemen. All right. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm... Uh, Maurice is right. You can have him get grazed. I'm fucking getting sick and tired of that, though. If you're going to be I'll like, my character's in that plot armor, you see? He got hit, and there's a scratch on his shoulder. It's like, that's fucking nothing. <laughs> Look, give him the Frank Castle treatment. That man's still limping. And I ain't mad about it. Like, that... Luck, cover, oh. armor... Also, I gotta say, another thing that annoys me about the Mandalorian and the way that some other stories work, we need to fucking stop with the fucking invulnerable armor. Let's go. Like, we need to have a balance. There is always a give and take that should happen because if you only have a give, there's no tension. They have a hallway scene where Din, Din Jaro gets hit 25 times. And they, like, try to make it this big deal. But it doesn't hurt him. He doesn't get bruised from all the shots. He just kind of gets jostled around a bit and then trips. And then he throws the grenades, <laughs> gets right back up, is perfectly fine. Yes, there's no tension with that. And if you find that tense, I'm sorry. I, I, you're being too easily convinced. Stop drinking the Kool-Aid. You're being too easily convinced. Look, a lot of members of Wham, like maybe half or maybe more, mm -hmm. just wants to see your characters get hurt when you put them into danger because you put them into danger. It, I want there to be logic in stories. I don't like the hyper illogical, like even with super powered peoples. Like, I don't like. Superman in most situations because 90% of the time Superman shows up 
and you physically can't do anything to him. I don't find anything entertaining about the beginning of Superman stories where, not the beginning, but like that middle portion of Superman stories, especially the movies, where he's fighting basic thugs, and they're like, ah, shoot him with this 9mm pistol! It's like, oh no, it bounced off his eye. Set the gun down. Dust my hands off. Walks away. Out of your control. And that... The, the middle part of the Superman movies is exactly what most of fucking Mandalorian felt. Like, the only time I ever had a moment was like, oh, hey, look, there's actually a bit of tension going on here, was when he was fighting the fucking death droid. And that was literally, like, two minutes. For some reason, the FPS of the stream is dropping considerably oh my it well it, it dropped considerably it's, a couple of times for some reason i don't know why disney is disney is starting to block out the frame so that it i, it, I stop bashing at stuff um, <laughs> bless you hey, bless like, you again you really wanted me to sit there and be like this is such an intense fight when ahsoka tano is fighting some random bitch with a spear really yeah on the bridge you think that bridge, if john favreau is going to have his precious Ahsoka as a pad one face off against General fucking Grievous and live that I'm going to be worried for a fucking second when she goes against some lady with a spear. Fuck General Grievous. She fought Lord Vader. You think I'm going to be worried about that and simultaneously be worried about Mando with some random dude with a gun that can't shoot through Baskar? Yeah, I think my favorite part is just the idea of like he hired Rosario Dawson. You yeah. don't come cheap. The entire situation with the Mandalorian, when you Only look at everything that happens killed. with him, it is a fake tension mess. Where you're just sitting there like, God, I wonder what's gonna happen. And it's just like nothing. Literally, nothing changes episode by episode, other than where the fuck they are. <laughs> Just... But then we have Andor. And shit does change. People change. Their emotional states change. Their relationships with each other change. The Empire itself changes. And the therefore, Empire. I'm getting the setting in eight. Because it takes the Star Wars universe, a large, expansive one. It allows us to go to multiple planets looking at you, fucking Book of Boba Fett. It allows us to actually explore the systems that are in place. We get a feel for the politics of Coruscant. We don't really get a feel for the relaxed sensations of the beach planet. We get a, a very cool look into the what the Empire did on Aldani. Like, what they did to the locals. How they slowly started to push them out. This is really good world building that we have for this individual world that we then just move away from. They didn't have to do all that for us, but they did. There's actual effort put into this script for the setting itself. Mandalorian puts in no effort, and it hurts me. <laughs> Thomas, it's your turn for setting. <laughs> it went on so long. Ratings stopped mattering. <laughs> so, Listen, uh, I'm sorry. Setting... I'm just mad that this show is not getting the attention that it deserves. Because it's better than anything else Star Wars has put out in years. We call this segment the passion of the nerd. 
reaction of the Listen, when you when you take an IP that was so intrinsic to my childhood. Fucking Star Wars is one of the reasons why I love swords so much. You then take it and you go, we're giving you more, and I'm fucking I'm literally, I'm pretty sure I was a teen. No, I was in college when The Force Awakens comes out. You tell me there's going to be more. You tell me there's going to be two new trilogies. There's going to be shows included. There's going to be Star Wars all the time. I was so happy. And then the sequel trilogy came out. People believed in it for the first one. I believed in it for the first one. I was like, it wasn't a particularly good Star Wars movie, but it wasn't a terrible flick overall. Uh, It was bad. And then <laughs> The Last Jedi came out, and that is actively the worst movie I've ever seen. The, uh, the Rise uh, of uh, <laughs> Are you okay, Ross? <sighs> worst movie I've ever seen. Yes. Uh, do I have some things for you to watch? Ross, I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. Anything that's, like, bad, bad, it's not going to be worse. The oh, Last no, Jedi... No is flawed to the core. The writing is terrible. The dialogue makes no sense. People's characters don't make any sense. And it had the budget to be great. It has the framework to be great, the universe to be great. And therefore, its ineptitude shines even brighter. And then you give me The Mandalorian, by the way, to finish my rant. A show that people look at and they go oh my god star wars is back because of the fact that it is ever so slightly passable in some aspects of it the sequel trilogy polluted people's minds so much to the idea and of the idea of how good star wars could be that they went this is good star wars to a pile of rubbish i like the idea that kind of like Oh, they were eating shit. So of course, when you put that shit between two sandwich, I mean, two pieces of bread and put some barbecue sauce on it, they would go finally some good fucking food. Yes, that's exactly what fucking happened. Exactly. Thank you for the imagery. <laughs> and then Obi Wan came out, and the fucking Ian McGregor is still really fucking good at being Obi Wan, but the script is fucking trash. I it's changed tragic. my score for that movie. It's a zero. The longer I think about Kid Leia, the more I hate that. Leave her alone. The bitch should It doesn't matter if he leaves her alone. She could outrun him in the woods. You know what, Kaiser? <laughs> you, are, you know what? I need you to make an edit. And I, I need that, that this infamous basketball picture of this dude dunking. And another dude just eat this nuts. I need little Leia being the one no, donkey. No. And I need the audience no. to be the other guy. I feel oh, like I nuts. can put the faces of the three people chasing her on that one person. I didn't know where that was going, but I had to try to stop it immediately. Um, I'm sorry. Um, but to finish the thought, the reason why I'm so passionate about how good this show is is because we actually have something good here. The dialogue is on point. The character work is great. It actually utilizes the framework of the Star Wars universe. It makes the Empire scary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Thomas, what was that rating? I'm sorry, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're chilling. Mm-hmm. I had to put my rating in a syringe and injected it to the club. Hmm. 
Setting, setting, setting. In this case, I'm going to give it ow, a nine. Highly rated. Thomas, do you want to give a description for yours, or do you want to move on? Uh, one simple sentence. Every location... It's a very strange thing to say. Every location means something. I, use, I was assuming uh, you were going to say felt distinct. No. Uh, very fortunately, everything is distinct. But the... Uh, but much like what we've been talking about with many other parts of the and, uh, of Andor here, these locations mean something more than just a setting where the place happens. Many of them are meant to be compared amongst each other for the grander social political narrative that is at the core of what this show's about. Maurice, me. I give the setting an eight. It's Star Wars, but it's not Tatooine or Naboo. It is course not. Not a, not a desert planet people just forge. But things. at last, we get to see some distinct other places. We get to see also not even like even though it is Coruscant, we went to parts of Coruscant I've never been to, like yeah. the underground subway system. Yeah, I didn't think y'all had subway systems. Everybody just flew in. Or ground. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody just had flying cars. And there were an entire forest in their backyard that they could dodge adults in. And then um, we got to check out a beach planet for a little bit. We got to learn about the prison complex besides the standard issue. All right, everyone, stay in your cell and oh, never shit, come we out. Oh, to mention. Uh, do you the things they were building, they were actually pieces to the Death Star, which is interesting because, in fact, Death Star kills Cassie and Andor, so he helped to make the machine that kills him. Well, even I saw that come. Yeah, you actually did say it during the recording. And that was the reason that they ended up rounding up all the people who needed manpower. Everybody's like, oh, they hired a bunch of contractors to build the Death Star. That thing's too fucking big. It would have cost too much money. Slave labor is cheaper. Slave labor is cheaper. But, um, yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed all the locations. Even Mom Mosma's weird-looking house with all those weird fashion choices. Yeah. yeah. Like, Moving. for some reason, they felt very feudal Japan with a lot of their fashion choices. Like, I looked at the husband, and I'm like, you are not The robes Asian. and hairstyles definitely do kind of give that vibe. Like, you look like you about to go talk to the Shogun. <laughs> Moving on to me first for characters. Honestly, I really fucking love the characters. Uh, they do a thing that's very important with stories wherein it's not just the main character that's interesting. The side characters and even a number of the tertiary characters are all very interesting. And we have a main character who is likable. He is very articulate in a lot of things. He's a good learner. He's not a fucking idiot. He doesn't make stupid mistakes. Stupid. So I would actually give the characters 
a solid nine. Oh. Thomas, how are you feeling? Same here. That's a nine. Um, thing. I have actually no problems with a ten. Yeah, I have no problems with the ten. They're nice. Ross. Uh, I give it a solid seven. Only. Sorry, next was actually Maurice, but uh, write down your seven. Is there a reason for a seven? I I tell you why, but you'll just get mad at me. <laughs> Did you find them boring? Like, no. Well, I, I found some of the plot points with certain characters. Able is to just set up for the next season, but that's not the reason. Yo, we're doing a podcast where we explain to people why we rate things a certain way. So, uh, you didn't notice the last score was a seven. So, I'm just no, I noticed the last score was a seven. I'm not going to question the star. Some people find the Star Wars setting to be boring. If I elaborate on your characters, Ross, (laughs) I am giving it the maximum possible score I can because if I like it and I don't like Star Wars, that makes it good. But since I don't like Star Wars, automatic three points off. Uh, so it can never go higher than a seven. It can never be higher than a seven. All right. I'm going to retract that three-point minus on the characters and give him a ten. Maurice. <laughs> you, how dare you? I reject your flows and substitute my own. Well, I, I, lo- I like these characters, but I don't like Star Wars. So I'm going to retract three points because of Star Wars. Bullshit. That's, that's a terrible reason. That's a great reason for the setting. <laughs> the fucking characters uh, fucking imagine the characters are in I don't know what the fuck you watch fucking everything else fucking, I mean, picture it, them it, in oh, Shimonetta they're doing the space political drama so Gundam exactly the same thing just less um, small beam swords only giant beam swords right. exactly but it would be fine it, but it how would you rate them if they were in a Gundam Probably yeah. Probably like an eight or a nine. See, this is a big one. Was that an eight point five? Wow. Yeah, we can go in the middle, eight point five. Like I said, I do have some issues, and I thought most of the cast was more interesting than Andor himself. But that doesn't mean he's bad or uninteresting. I just think I was just more interested in some of the other characters, and they did kind of just do big dirt. She was just kind of there to be tortured. She, mm-hmm. she did all that support and just to get fucking tortured for half a season. It was terrible. I yeah. love the little bits of character work that they did. Such as with the guard in the first episode. Who's like, oh my god, you killed him. You're a murderer. I mean, we can talk about this. Let's go into the police precinct together. Bang. Bang. Anyway, Maurice, you were supposed to go. Me. How I give them characters. I give them a strong nine point five. No one, today. no one actually like upset me in a way that I didn't enjoy. Like, you know, there's characters who can do things to be like, "That's stupid. I hate you for doing that," but you don't hate the character. 
Yeah. Like even what was the name? Yeah, Dora. Dope. Uh. Dora. The um. I think it's ISB agent. Deidre. Lady D. Deidre. Like even Deidre. all the things, she, even all the things she had to do. I'm like, I'm enjoying her character. I want her to die. But that's good. I enjoy a character. It's like how I enjoy Frieza. Is Frieza a monster? Of course he is. But god damn it. Do I want to watch more of him? Mm-hmm. Unlike Hello. other things Jeez. where I'm just unhappy because these characters are on screen. I'm glad to watch these characters. Even Serial, the worst character in this show. I don't yeah. hate the guy. Actually, no. The worst character to show is his mom. No, no, I she's understand great. why what she's upset. Mean? I actively wanted to run her fate every time. That's the point. What do you mean? Effective character work right there. <laughs> I don't like hitting moms. I love moms, but that—that that was uh-huh. a fucking monster. Yeah, but look, she's not wrong. He is a failure. <laughs> Even he would admit that. Yeah. <laughs> he is a failure. He can't do anything right. Failure. He can't get on my nerves. Like, sure, did he kick off the whole story because he wanted to ruin everyone else's op? Of course. Did I get mad at him because exactly the first episode I said, you're going to get everyone here fired. And he proceeded to get everyone there fired. No question. No prejudice. Oh, Great. All because he couldn't let two people die. Too bad, people. When the entire situation was broken down to him by his commanding officer, and once again, beautiful dialogue, by the way. Mm-hmm. Beautiful dialogue. My God. Like, right. I like, like I wasn't. If there was a, I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you guys. If there was a dialogue category, ten. I don't think I've given a ten in this entire fucking in the. The history of Wham, I don't think I've ever given a 10. Even when we went over The Princess Bride, which has 100% nostalgia goggles for me. I can't take them off with that movie. Yep. Nothing has gotten a 10. I love to get a solid 7. Like, even That's though I wasn't you. the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, even though I wasn't the biggest fan in episode 1, that man explaining the entire op, what we're going to do, and what you're going to do, I was like, yeah, I'm invested, especially if we get more of this guy. We didn't, but we got more people like this we guy. We got him at the yeah, end when he was like, I had nothing to do with we this. Got, we got him I at know. home. Yeah, and <laughs> I, our, I loved him. We got our dude yeah, at home. We got, we got him at home. He, it's called Timothy Him because I am him. What's the next category? <laughs> the next category, and we are starting with Thomas, is the combat. Yep. Calculating, 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 calculating. Sorry, I'm going, I'm going to take a little bit of window. I'm going to take a little bit of window to your sales, Kaiser, uh, because I'm going to use you as a springboard for my opinion. Uh, there uh... were several parts of this show that you were particularly impressed by in terms of the flow of events. We don't get many big action action scenes. Um, usually, even the the two cases where Ferrix gets ran like through its shit twice. It is much more a set of traps being laid out and then executed rather than direct fire, uh, gunfire combat. 
that being said, the few times where we do get more physical skirmishes, whether it be one-on-ones or two-on-twos or any amount of interested parties, Kaiser in particular seems to enjoy a lot of them. And also, with a lack of complaints, which is the other half of how he grades things, I'm willing to give this a 9. I do find it funny that your combat rating was entirely based off of my opinion. Correct! Because I do not care. <laughs> do we need to change this category? No, no I do. I, here. I let, enjoy combat. Now I, can, now I can add myself into this. Yes. There were plenty of times. Uh, first off, I think what's very important is that I did mention that some of those combat pieces involved a lot of explosions or a lot of tra uh, a lot of traps, and even some big firefights like the one in the um, bank in Aldani, or I shall say, uh, whatever it's called right now, the vault. It's never clunky. Uh, it's never unfollowable. Everything makes sense. Uh, and of course, we eat the losses of uh, eat the losses so much more because we sometimes especially in the case of that Aldani high scenario we know what's going to happen sometimes and we clearly see the dominoes fall as you so accurately predicted with uh, both of the black men not just the one actually you were more accurate about one than the other but you were still still hey. right about both of them I'm sorry, my people watching this. Black men died horrifically and without uh, proper justice. And I feel so say it. Yeah, no I justice. kind of... There was... Does someone else want to describe what happened with our unfortunate ex-stormtrooper mustachioed man? Uh, So the mustachioed one, that's the ex-stormtrooper? Yeah. I got this, since I'm the one talking right now. So... His whole thing is that he's a former stormtrooper, already had realized and was disillusioned by his service in the Imperial Army. Um, he was a part of the Aldani bank heist, uh, along with Vel, Sintra, obviously all sanctioned by Luthen. Uh, the problem is that uh, he's also quite hot-headed and aggressive. Which, I don't know, maybe it was part of, uh, which may have been part of why he slowly got disillusioned with things, because if you get angry at a person long enough, you'll want to quit fucking job. Other thing is, though, once the bank goes around, he was supposed to take points and leading the rest of our rebels as mock stormtroopers, because he's the only one that actually knows their protocols. And when they do get into the vault and, and the negotiations are about to break down and the firefight begins... He typically acts very much uh, aggressive, both in his verbiage and his cordial interactions with the, his own teammates, as he would on the battlefield. So when one of his teammates is pinned down and they need some sort of diversionary fire, he sprints into action, quite literally, allowing himself to be uh, immediately shot and killed. Immediately. Yeah. Kaiser cold. I did, yeah. in fact, look him dead in his face, and I went. <sighs> dead silence. Well, no, it's yeah. not. I didn't go dead silent. I'm trying to think about how to word what I said. Here, here, here. I My can't verbiage word it. in the moment was a little bit. <laughs> it look, caused look, everyone look. to look out and go, What did you say? And I'm like, No, 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 let me explain. <laughs> Here, 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 I here, believe here, I here. said I can say it. Okay, I go you. ahead. I, I got believe... you, Chief. 
Should I say what I believe I said and then you say what I said? Uh, I don't know what your brain's thinking that you said, so I don't know. All right, I now I want to hear what you're saying. You're Because I believe Kaiser, the first thing I said was, he's going to fucking die. Kaiser looked at this man, his brain process real quick. Giant, large, black man in charge. He's going to sprint out of position and get shot immediately. He just looks like the type who will sprint out of position to go save one of his allies who's already out of position and just die. I'm pretty sure I started that and there was the immediate, why do you say that, Kaiser? It's like, no, look at him. <laughs> no, not that part. Look at the other parts of him. Sometimes we just like to make Kaiser panic. I, <laughs> obviously I did. I'm still panicking about it. I'm like, I didn't say anything like that, but that's. The other parts, though. He's large and angry and aggressive, and he knows how to use a weapon. Well, He's gonna do oh something my. really dumb in combat. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. You see, this is what they do to me. <laughs> anyway, oh, moving on. Maurice, how would you rate the combat? Seven. Seven? Not because, not because anything's too wrong with it, but at the end of the day, it's mostly just messy firefights. And there's nothing wrong with that because that's a firefight. True. Right. And for the same reasoning that Maurice gave, I am giving it a five because I like fights. I like to remember fights. I don't remember any fights except for the last one during the uh, escape from. So, yeah. You see. This is where I pull out the traditional Kaiser patented weeb. And proud of it. Because oh, I'm giving the combat a nine. Bet you are. Fucking nerd. When it comes to combat, it's one of those things that I like it to be logical. Now, there are a couple of minor things that were just like, all right, that, that could have been done a little bit better. This could have been over here. I'm not sure how I felt about that. That's common for me. But legitimately, in the first episode, Cassie and Andor actually makes every fucking correct decision you could when trying to deal with someone who has a gun. He keeps the gun away from being pointed directly at him, and that is his, ma that is his main goal the entire time he is gauged in hand-to-hand -hand combat with this person, is keep the gun away from me and get the gun out of his hands. And he includes... Punches, grappling, fucking slamming the guy's hand into the ground. And the second he got the gun, he stepped away. We just spent probably about 10 minutes ranting about plot armor and luck and all of that jazz when it comes to being shot at. This is a show where people don't have a major amount of plot armor. The only person with plot armor, in an arguable sense, is Cassian. Because he can't die. Because he, he can't die. But also, Cassian is very smart about how he moves, when he moves, and he's generally out of the line of fire before major combat starts in a lot of situations. He does have a couple of moments of luck, but it's never anything where you're just sitting there like, wow, fucking plot armor, am I right? I think the most plot armor he had was the firefight inside of the warehouse, because I don't even think it's because he dodges a, like, like the bullets didn't hit him. The random debris falling around. It's like, whoa, Cassian, you running right into him. 
Really, mm -hmm. everybody had plot armor in that moment because nobody got hit by it. And I will push oh back God. against that because in the warehouse, that's where Cassian gets shot in the arm. And also, they fucking treat that like Cassian got shot in the arm. And for multiple episodes, he's just there like, ow, my fucking oh, yeah. arm. He did get shot. Yes, and again, it lasted for several episodes, including the entirety of the heist. It was a known thing that Cassian had an arm injury. And also, people react differently to combat. We don't have everybody just the second combat starts just fucking laser-eyed fucking combat Joe ready to go moments. There are people that panic. There are people that die for cover in different ways. When they were doing the heist, Nemec was completely prone hiding behind a thing of money and shooting from there. While you had other people who were actively attempting to move into better cover positions. People who were out in the open. Cassian went for the controls to try and get them out of there. People make decisions in combat, and the decision is not just, well, let's kill all the enemies, then we'll move on to step two. Yeah, but Kaiser, you're forgetting one very, very important thing about this whole situation. Oh. I didn't remember, so fine. <laughs> I'm not arguing against your point, I am merely stating why my point is what it is, because unlike you, I remember the firefights. Unlike you, I remember. Yeah, Unlike I just you, saw a blur of like gunfire. That's all I remember. If I counted the starship fight, though, this would drop it down. That would drop down to an eight. I'm, <laughs> I'm choosing. I am counting. You counting? Nah, I am gonna count it. It's dropping down to an eight. That scene was stupid, and it shouldn't have been in this show. That's a scene. That's a scene for somewhere in the Mandalorian, not for Andor. Get it the fuck out of here. What the fuck was that about? <laughs> If anything, it just shows that he's a good escape artist with plans. But, you know, we also didn't need it. We already knew he was smart about it because he hasn't been caught yet. Yeah. If anything, it would have been better if he just got away with everything else that he was doing. Talking him down. Showing that he's a slick talker who could just steal someone else's identity. Yeah. But, on to the last category. Maurice, you get to go first for this one. Me. How would you rate the story? I'd give it a nine because it wasn't one story. It was six stories. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, we got to follow multiple different main characters. The main one being Asian, uh, Cassian. Asian Nandor. Asian but, uh, but the other main characters is um, my Mothma, who is also great. Cyril, who's not great. Uh, there's uh, SIB lady, who's pretty decent at her job. Um, technically, I want to say Val, but I don't want to. Yeah, Val didn't go through much of a character. Yeah. She's more of a, a, a vehicle for us to explore other characters and, you know, various sides of Luther's that gray antagonist to like a bunch of people like he's mixed up in everyone's story except Cyril's until now I guess but he's like that gray he's like that gray um is he a friend or is he a foe can I trust him no one trusts him but we need him oh man this guy's here again 
And yeah, I like it. Everyone has their own side characters. Luther has his assistant. Mom Mothma has her family. Bow's here. Andor has an entire town at his back and call, except for that one guy. Fuck that guy. I'm glad he died. Those two guys. All our homies hate Collector and Tim. All our homies hate Deck Collector. Look, 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 look. Tim, Tim was a antagonist all for three minutes. Once he realized I made a mistake, he was trying to figure out his way out of it. Damn, I had already gotten to the yams. Like, they were... Look, she liked you, Tim. You just had to chill, and you um, didn't. Shut the fuck out. Tim, Tim's baka headed ass. baka headed ass. So yeah, because the story wasn't just, you know, just a straightforward thing, and a bunch of other things where I got to follow multiple different characters, Game of Thrones style, it, it gets a bunch higher score than I normally give stories. Game of Thrones, yeah, Game of Thrones, yeah. I just like um following a bunch of characters. I like I like people in stories. Speaking of people in stories, Roz. It's your turn. Uh and I'm not memeing this time or just deducting Star Wars. I'm legit giving it a seven because I have big problems with the story. Uh that has nothing to do with Cassie. It's everything to do with our best friend, Cyril, here. Uh, his story was constantly interjected into the main and side plots throughout every episode. And I thought the way they keep framing and going back to him, that he's kind of like the protagonist, or however you say it, mm-hmm. where he's like also a protagonist alongside Cassie, that his story would go somewhere. And his story went absolutely nowhere this season. What? Like, he, he was just kind of there. And we got no real conclusion or any f- real jump for his character. His character is essentially still where it was after he got fired and then hired or whatever. But he but, hasn't really done anything But that's, that's since then. That's the point. I, I don't care if it's the point. I don't like it. They, like they interjected him so mean. much. Uh, go ahead, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to change. Because right. I think we had this conversation. So the point of Cyril's character not going through much of an arc is specifically that a character that goes through the exact same situation that Cyril done does normally goes through an arc because of the fact that they get disenfranchised by the system that decided that they weren't worth the time. The fact that he doesn't get disenchanted with the Empire in that same way is a, is his character arc. He is getting, he's drinking more and more of the Kool-Aid as it goes on. And he is getting more and more involved with ISB Lady. And he's still after Andor. He's not a secondary protagonist. He is 100% a mirror not a mirror but you know he is a complimentary antagonist he is moving against andor in every way that he can the only thing that andor should be happy about is that there aren't many ways that he can anybody else is getting homelander vibes from him is he played no. by the guy who played no no not the same actor no at all. not even close i don't know why just Anthony, uh, Anthony, the actor that plays Homelander, does not have that square jaw. 
Square as Joe. Joe's square as hell. Yeah, Joe's pretty square. Square as mud. Fucking square. crazy. Yeah, I, 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 I see what you're saying, Kaiser, but I still, it's still a seven foot dog. Well, at least you acknowledge that I'm right. I didn't acknowledge that you were the right. I acknowledge you had an why cereal has a <laughs> I acknowledge you had an opinion. <laughs> No. Don't think anything I said was really opinion based, but okay. Those are words you're saying. I mean, I didn't. You're allowed to say this. I literally. Here's the thing. I didn't say any part about it was good. I said this is what the character is doing. So it's not. I said it's not good. I think that you are woefully incorrect. I gave the story a nine. It would possibly be a 9.5 but i still can't get over the fact that uh commentary or not he gets arrested for walking and that's a major yeah, part yeah, of the plot dumb. and then that's at the and then he gets picked up and they just happen to hate the empire too so yeah both of those two are just like wow uh man this is really like by far the weakest writing that we've gotten for this show it went what from, happened? damn, that was inconvenient. Damn, that was convenient. Yeah, the fact that it happened both times in the same fucking A nickel. It's just like, okay, guys, come on. It opened up with some inconvenience and closed off with some conveniency. Thanks, game. <laughs> 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 I didn't even think about it that way. But yeah, so uh, I I give it a nine. I believe I've talked enough about how I feel about this story. You enjoyed yourself. Man, that was very cool. How do we consistently feel so differently about stories, Ross? Because y'all are two vastly different people. Yeah. One of you watched anime. The other one read a book. Hey, hey. I read books, too. Mangas don't Those count. are manga. <laughs> I read books. I will have anime you know. the pictures. I will have you know. I was reading novels before I even read manga. Because Your I... erotica means nothing to me. <laughs> because I did not... I was an anime-only type person until Bleach ended. And then I went, you're not going to end like that. I'm going to watch... Oh. I'm going to read the manga. And that was... So it. you went to go read the light novel of Bleach? <laughs> <laughs> That's still <laughs> anime, but no pictures. Hilarious. But, but yeah. Uh, I... I don't hate the show. I don't hate the story. I just do not see the point of that one character getting so much attention. Uh, we could have used, like, one or two less seeds of his mom being mean to him. Oh, I see what it's the problem is. It's just a mom missing. Did we knock Thomas? Is this his turn? It is Thomas's turn now, yes. <laughs> We're on characters, right? No, we're on story. Uh, no. Ah, yes. You give it a nine for the characters. That's right. I am fairly certain. 
fairly certain the, the I want to give Andor a nine. Story of Andor is a nine. Any reasons? Hmm. Now, it's hard to specifically talk about Andor, uh, the merits of its story, without specifically also talking about how the characters t uh, help us tell this story. However, there is a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun to be had in what I like to think of, and this is what I advertise in a lot of our discords, as the... Uh, some of the most political drama fun I've ever seen in recent Star Wars. Kaiser, you were noticeably gone when I particularly said this early on in the stream, but I have a very, I have a much limited experience with Star Wars' story, and a lot of it did uh, seem much more geared towards action or somewhat roguelike heists, and not necessarily uh, a political drama thriller like we get in certain parts of Andor with Mon Mothma, notably. I really do enjoy a lot of what we saw in Andor, many aspects of it, not just the one that I expressly labeled out. So that's a nine. I won't ignore the thing that you've already pointed out where there are some plot conveniences to uh, get Andor to titular place, because it would have been actually admittedly funny if everybody got there and the funeral just went by normally and Andor just didn't show up at all. Someone else ate Bix. Andor is just like, it was a riot? <laughs> oh shit. That's kind of kind of dangerous kind of lit <laughs> wish i was yeah, i wish i was there it has its own little funeral for uh marva no but i am satisfied with the story there i have also in within the ranting i have completed the thumbnail that we will be using excellent well that ain't it Oh, that definitely ain't it. I knew I was going to be wondering what was thrown off. <laughs> Thomas, why'd you throw me off? I have to. Ugh. Everyone in this street. Uh. <laughs> I was going to put myself on, but then I realized that I fit perfectly on top of the tower. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so are you guys ready to hear the final scores? Yeah, let's go. Would you like for me to start at the bottom and work my way up? Start at the top Always. and work my way down? Or what we, are we doing? We count losers so that the victor seems all the more impressive. All right. <laughs> Roz is obviously at the oh. bottom. This should surprise absolutely nobody. Shocked. Roz gave <gasps> a total score of a 6.875. And that should give you the proper skew because I don't like Star Wars, so that means it's a decent show. It's a good show. Well, that means it's a, actually it's a great show. I enjoyed myself. I was about to say you were definitely enjoying yourself when we were watching it together. I am. I am. It was mostly because of the second half. If it was just the first half, it would have been gotten a lot more. I like the first half. The prison arc was pretty cool. I did like the speech from the old man at the beginning that had me. Yes. Next person. Next up the list is Maurice. Of course it is. Maurice gave the score an 
Not bad. Directly above him is me. I gave it an 8.5. I literally Not gave it, bad. I only gave it two eights and two nines. And then there's Thomas. Thomas gave the score a whopping nine point two five. Thomas likes it. Which, if you guys <laughs> want a comparison from when we talked about Puss and Booth last week, uh, the only person who scored uh, and or higher was me by point five points. What can I say? Puss and Boots was pretty good. Uh, Thomas was. Puss and Boots was great. Pretty damn good. Thomas was close to rating it higher. Uh, Puss and Boots got a nine point five, while Andor <laughs> got a nine point two five. What was the best score for? Eight point three seven five. Why are you always the one with fucked up numbers? <laughs> Math be mathin'. Yeah, the score difference of 1.8 give or take anyway I think at four and a half hours that's all the time we have for today yeah and I think the whole last hour of that was just the ratings possibly we did go on a little bit of ranting uh, Roz, do we have anybody we. to raid? We. <laughs> we. Why are you speaking French? Nintendo. I didn't. Uh, never mind about the raid. We're gonna close it. Uh, I gotta go, buddy. Well, we are so lonely. lonely. We have nobody. We have a tendency to stream these podcasts at the, late on a Friday. Are you- Ungodly Sounds hours cool. of the nineties. Metroid Prime Remastered is trending on Twitter. Wow, that it is. That's cool. Good night. Go make something. Good night. Bye. Don't make stuff. Take a nap. Then make stuff. No, just make stuff. Your tired Take brain is nap. obviously the smartest brain. That's the best ideas. Goodbye.